With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's up, Knight fans? Sons of UCF is proudly presented by the law firm of Gordon and Partners. Since 1993, Gordon and Partners have been dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who have been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice from somebody you trust. So contact UCF alum Michael Hoffman directly if you have any legal needs or questions, visit their website, fortheinjured.com, or text 407-913-5350 to talk to Michael directly. Don't just trust anybody. Trust the best. And trust a knight. Gordon and Partners. For the Injured. This is the Sons of UCF, the number one place for UCF sports. With your distinguished host, Adam... Let's all get together and see who can solve the wordle the fastest. And Mike. You know, last year, I think I said about 30 people in the UCF, sons of UCF group. Let's try to double that. Let's try to get 50. Now, here are the guys. All right, welcome in to the Sons of UCF. We are episode number 193. My name is Adam, and as always... I've got my good friend, Mr. UCF Mike, back with me for another week. Mike, we are closer to the season. You seem excited by the fact that your hands are in the air. Uh, welcome, my friend. How are you? Doing great. We're 10 days away? Is that it? Nine days? 10 days? Yes. I can't even keep track anymore. This we, day's we, a, we're recording Monday night. The day's almost already over. I don't, I don't know how you do that math. I was never good at math. Ooh, I can taste it. I can smell it. I can feel it. It's almost here. Been waiting for a long time now. Let's do it. It's it's been a hot minute, Mike, and there's a lot of news to go over tonight. We've been we've been eking these things along the last couple of months, trying to find a slivel or a sliver, I should say, a morsel, anything that we can talk about. I think we have some stuff to talk about tonight, Mike. We'll get to all that again. Reminder: We're brought to you by our good friends at Gordon and Partners for the Injured.com is where you check them out, Mike. On tap for tonight, brought to you by Poor Choice. Our good friend Drew Bellani and his friends at Poor Choice Fifty and Mills. Uh, draft beer, craft beer, all kinds of beer. You want to check out Poor Choice, Mike. Cow of the Week, we've got that as always. We've got our annual schedule breakdown. We'll go game by game. You'll get UCF Mike's official prognostication of where UCF is this year and and how we're going to finish up. So we'll go game by game. And of course, we'll start off with some headlines, some news and notes. Mike, that's what we got this evening. I'm, I'm pretty... Pretty jazzed up. And then this week on the on the YouTube channel, we'll have a couple of special things we're dropping as well. So a lot of things going on here in Suns UCF land. I think this is the episode most people look forward to the most. Every season, right before we kick off, we go through the schedule. We break down each game. I tell you how we're going to win them all. Um, stay tuned. Maybe I don't pick us to win them all this week, this year. 
Yeah, we added a wrinkle this year because look, it, it feels hard to say we're going to lose this one. That, I mean, no one would have said we lost Navy last year, right? So it feels hard to, to do stuff like that. So we added a wrinkle this year and uh, you'll see what that looks like, Mike. But let's start off with the news everybody talked about all day Sunday. All the weeks and weeks of speculation have come to an end via tweet. Gus Malzahn announces John Rice Plumley as QB1. Mike, he said John Rice Plumley is our starting QB. I noticed he did not say... John Rice Pumley is starting the opener. John Rice Pumley is going to start this game. He was very clear in his language. John Rice Pumley is our starting QB. Mike, I think you were you were Camp Keen Kong all along. So this news hit your eardrums or your eyeballs, and you thought what? Um, I was a little surprised just going off, you know, some of the inside information we were getting the last couple of weeks. Uh, it seemed like there was a lot of chatter around practice and everything that Keen was maybe had a little step ahead of Plumley, you know, he knew, we know that he knew the playbook better, maybe had a little bit more control of the offense, but as we all thought, Gus brought Plumley in here to be his guy and he's going to give him a shot here to start the year. He didn't say that he's only starting the first game. I think that would have been a mistake. Yeah. He's saying he's the quarterback for the season and let's see. I mean, he could always change his mind. If he comes out there and he stinks the first couple games, you know, he could always go back to Keen. So uh, he, he brought him in here to, to run his offense the way he wants to do it. Let's see if he can do it. Let, let's see if he can complete the passes that are necessary to be a, a good quarterback. We know he's got the talent to run. We've seen the, the highlights of him. He's fast. He can do a lot of extra things with his feet. Let's see if he can do everything and put it all together. Yeah, I think the entire you know, quarterback battle is what made this thing interesting. I, I've, I've been of the uh, conspiracy theory all along that Gus wanted to give this job to Plumlee. Obviously, he had said early on he wants to give it to somebody early, and then he didn't. And I think we interpret that a few different ways. You could either say, A, you know, Plumley or Keen, nobody separated themselves, or no one really went out and took the job. You know, then you start hearing Thomas Castellano's name get thrown in there, and now we're all like, what the hell's going on? I was of the mind the longer this went, the more maybe this favored Mikey Keen. And and I think that goes along with what some of the whispers were and some of the, you know, some of the reporting that people were doing who were there, Mike. But wh why why Plumley? Like, what do you think if, if Gus has got that checklist, right? Where do you think that he, you know, he did the checks on the side of Plumley and said, I've got to go with this guy? Is there something that you think, hey, this is this is maybe what gives Plumley an edge? I know you haven't seen him, you know, play very much, if at all, but what do you think Gus? thinks gives him the edge that he says i want to do this guy over over mikey keen the one thing gus kept saying in the last few press conferences we haven't seen them live we haven't been able to put them live against defense and you can always tell a little bit better when you see that the only time we really did see them live was the spring game right they, they were live in that game yes um and we saw what Plumley did that day you know he knows that Plumley is a playmaker he can take a bad play and turn it into a, a positive play or even a touchdown if something breaks down with the offensive line, I think he got faith in Plumlee to, to scramble away and, and take a sack and turn it into a plus five yard play. So I think that's the difference to Malzahn. Somebody that can just keep the, the chains moving, do what he has to do. You know, he's still going to utilize the weapons. He's still going to, this is going to Bowser first offense. You know, we've got the, the other weapons, little screen passes here and there, little end around runs with O'Keefe, things like that. We're still going to see all that, but Plumlee is the guy that's going to be able to, take something bad and turn it into something good. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. If I, I was thinking about this, you know, this morning, you know, why, why Plumlee? I think that you said it best there. I think Mikey Keene's a player. JRP is a playmaker. And I think that's where Gus is thinking, okay, I, I gives me one more playmaker on the field, 
one more guy I can run something with. I can I can do a little bit of a wrinkle here and there. Gus did a radio interview in Alabama this morning, and Jason Beatty has an article on the Orlando Sentinel uh, this afternoon about it, where Gus called this the hardest decision he's had to make, but essentially then said just what you said. He would have liked these guys to have gone live, but no coach in their right mind is going to let their quarterbacks go live in fall camp. So that him and the, uh, the coaching staff had to, quote-unquote, predict – where the quarterback would have been tackled or where he would have been down if they let the play go live. So I think that there is some credence to to him probably thinking through, all right, Plumley maybe didn't make the first read here, but he could have escaped out of the pocket and could have run for 13 yards or 15 yards or whatever, right? So maybe he had to do some of that predictive stuff, and that's where the live piece that you're talking about comes into play. Yeah, I mean, that is a big part of this kid's game. From what we've hear, what we've been hearing coming out of camp, Maybe he's not the most accurate passer, but I don't think Gus is going to ask him to throw the ball 20 times downfield per game. He's going to, that's going to take one or two shots per game. Same thing we kind of did with Keen last year. You know, I don't think it's going to be that complex of a playbook. You know, he's going to have certain reads. He's going to have certain game plans for specific teams. But I think also Plumlee makes you as a defense worry about that extra dimension too. You know, can, can he beat me with your feet? Now he's just going to have to prove that he can beat him with his arm. If he can do yeah. that, and, and when teams are stacking the box against him and he can hit a couple shots over the top, then good night. This offense is going to be on fire. Well, yeah, if I'm a D coordinator in the American Conference, I saw I saw Plumlee announced and I went to my team. I was like, okay, you know, we got to stack the box. We got to put a spy on this kid and, and let's make him throw it over the top to us. Let's make him throw deep and, and beat us, right? That's probably what every defensive coach is doing right now as they're prepping for UCF this season to say, okay, let's let, you know, let's let this kid beat us with his arm. But let's not let him out of the pocket. Let's do a spy situation and let's see what he can do with his with his arm. Um, and he's got a decent arm. Like, I mean, you see some highlight tapes out there from making throws against Ole Miss. Now, the only knock I will say, a lot of those throws are one read and throw. You know, he's not looking off defenders. He's not going through progressions. He's throwing seam routes or go routes or stuff like that, right? You don't see a lot of quick hitters. You don't see a lot of, you know, check downs. You don't see a lot of, you know, him, him scanning the field. So, it depends how much Gus is going to ask him to do with the offense. What I think is interesting about this, though, Mike, here's my conspiracy theory. I think I think he wanted to give the job. Well, I guess here's my concern, maybe not a conspiracy. I think he wanted to give the job to Plumlee. I think for whatever reason, Plumlee wasn't showing what he wanted. So he was like, all right, maybe maybe Mikey's my guy, right? Mikey wasn't showing what he what he had either, right? My only concern is, did did Plumlee win this job? Or did we just give it to him, right? I, I And that's why I, I don't want Gus to have made a decision based on, well, these two are both equal, so I guess I'll go with this one, right? Like, I want to hear that somebody went out and, and won this job, that they took over, that they made the plays, that they did the stuff. And I think that's where Gus's consternation came from, reading between the lines, reading his body language. Nobody went out there and took this job and said, okay, th this is my position. I'm taking this. And I wonder if, if how Gus then made that decision. And is Palm Lear QB by default? Or did he really go out and, and show some stuff? Because, you know, internet rumors are going to be internet rumors, Mike. And there are people, to your point earlier, that a lot of folks were whispering, hey, you know, Mikey's had a much more consistent camp and much more solid. You know, there are rumors that there are a lot of folks whose eyebrows got raised when they heard Plumlee. Even some folks that are in that locker room are surprised they went Plumlee, Mike. So that makes me wonder, did he win this job? Or did Gus go, All right, well, I got to pick one of these two. So I, I guess I guess I'll go with the tools I got in Plumlee versus, you know, what I already know in Mikey Keene, right? I guess it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't. He feels like he can get some wrinkles, some some plays, some playmaking out of Plumlee. And is that the deciding factor? But I want to know if Plumlee won this job or if he got the job. It doesn't sound like anybody won it outright. And Gus was saying before camp even started, usually the whole team knows, you know, about two weeks in. 
And it doesn't seem like the whole team knew, or at least it wasn't unanimous among the coaches and the team. So this, he had to have a discussion with him, with Chip Lindsey and the rest of the offensive staff and say, you know, what do you guys think? Which guy puts us in the best position to win? And, and that's all it's about, really. Gus is here to win football games. You know, he's not here to protect kids' feelings and do anything, you know, thinking two, three years down the road. He's here to win now. Everything a head coach does is about today. Um, he's got a, a big season ahead of him. This is a year we need to take this big leap. You know, last year was a, a nice season. We overcame a lot of diversity, won nine games. This year now we're competing for a conference championship. So uh, he's going to put my, uh, Plumlee out there the first few games. Let's see if he can do it. You know, great. If he can't, we have that little cushion of first four games, not conference games, where, you know, it's still not going to be too late to go some in a different direction if he has to. And I think having the receivers that we have in this conference, we should be able to win a lot of one-on-one -on -one battles. We should be able to, to uh, you know, just out, out uh, muscle a lot of guys on the outside. We have the speed to beat a lot of these teams on defense. So I think... You know, he's, he's going with the right decision for now. Uh, long term, let's see what happens. So a lot of people are, are, are comparing this pick by Gus, similar to his Auburn days, 2013-2014. Mike, he picked Nick Marshall as a starting quarterback. Nick Marshall was not a, a prototypical quarterback. And uh, and so a lot of people are comparing sort of Gus's anointment of of, of John Rice Plumley to the Nick Marshall stuff. I actually went back to check just because I was curious. Here are Nick Marshall Nick Marshall's numbers in his years at Auburn. This is 2013. They went 11-2, by the way, that year. He threw for 1,900 yards. He had 14 touchdowns. That's it, through the air. He ran for a thousand yards, have 12 touchdowns on the ground. Those are pretty damn good stats. If Plumlee can pull that off, that's fantastic. But here's the catch that season. They had a running back named Trey Mason carried the ball 317 times for 1800 yards. So if this is the Gus recipe right here, let Plumlee throw the ball a little bit. I don't know if he gets, you know, 2000 yards, 14 touchdowns, maybe right. Runs for a thousand runs for 12 and then has a, a running back run for 1800 yards and or carry the ball 317 times. Maybe that's where he's thinking. That's where he's going to, you know, take this offense back to. I don't think Bowser's getting 317. I feel like that's a heavy number. And, and I don't know that Bowser can take that workload. But we've talked all summer long about we have stables of running backs just waiting to get in the ballgame, right? If that's Bowser, if that's Mark Anthony, if that's RJ Harvey, if that's Johnny Richardson. So can we split these 317 and and have Plumlee just make enough plays in a Nick Marshall fashion? You look at some of those Nick Marshall highlights. I mean, he he's, does not look like a quarterback. He doesn't have a fantastic throwing motion but he made plays when they need to be played. I will say in 2014, Marshall actually improved his passing through for 2,500 yards, ran for 20 or through 20 touchdowns, only ran for 700 yards, 11 TDs. Trey Mason was gone at that point. They went eight and five. So do with that what you will. They had an 11 and two season and an eight and five season with a quarterback who many people felt like was probably better positioned to be a defensive back. Is that the model Gus is going for? I guess time will tell, but I think this is a pretty close comparable in terms of what Gus has done in his history. Right. And you got to factor into the defenses. On a, I don't know what the defenses were like on those Auburn teams. I'm assuming that 11-2 team probably had a pretty good defense. And I mean, we're going to be a team that controls the clock. Bowser's not going to maybe got 300 touches, but there's going to be games where he has 30 plus touches in the game. We saw mm -hmm. that last year and he'll do it again. He'll, don't be surprised that Cincinnati game, that Louisville game, the SMU game, he just keeps feeding them if he has to. So um, I could see similar numbers to, th to that. Um, Trey Mason season for sure for Bowser and and if not we have other guys that can do it too so um, you know I, I I'm just like everybody else here I've seen five passes maybe in in warmups 
of the practices in the last few weeks. I haven't really, I didn't even see the spring game. So I haven't really seen much of this Plumlee kid play. And I, I'm, I'm very excited for that first game against South Carolina State to see what he can do. And then that Louisville game, that's really going to be the deciding factor. A lot of people also are drawing the Mackenzie Milton playmaking uh, ability uh, examples, right? Showing some video of him at Old Miss making plays in the pocket, kind of when something breaks down, getting out, out on the edge, being a threat to run, so being able to throw as well. I mean, again, I think that if we all, ha- if we had to be honest with ourselves about last season, that's the one thing we were missing, right? Is when plays broke down in the pocket, Mikey didn't make a ton of plays out of that. He didn't hurt us, which was fine, but he typically grounded the ball through it in the grass, threw it out of bounds. And we, we lived to play another down, which was, which worked out well. But we won a lot of 13, 10, 17, 13, 16, 20 ball games last year, right? And I think that's a, that's a byproduct of Mikey not hurting us. I think this is Gus saying, okay, I want to add, I want to add a factor here. Uh, a lot has been made of Plumley stats, Mike. Here they are just for everyone. So we're all on the same page in 2019 uh, as a true freshman threw for 910 yards, um, four touchdowns, three INTs at a 52% completion percentage, 6.1 yards per attempt uh, was, uh, was the stats, but he ran for over a thousand yards, six yards of carry and 12 touchdowns. 2020, I think this gets a little bit lost in translation too, by the way, my 2020 COVID year. Um, he, it sounds like, it looks like he was the backup quarterback. He didn't play at all. He had five of seven for, for one touchdown as a quarterback. He had 25 rushes as a, as a runner and six receptions as a receiver. So I know much has been made about, well, he's been a receiver for two years. I think he split time that 2020 season. I think for a period of time, he was still in that quarterback room, still as a backup quarterback. And obviously 2021 switches to receiver at 19 catches as a receiver before coming to UCF. So these aren't gaudy numbers, my friend. I mean, the rushing stats are impressive, but with the thing that's required him to throw a, a, with his left arm, not, not uh, super impressive numbers. Left arm. He's a lefty. He's not a lefty. I said right arm. Whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe he should throw lefty. Maybe maybe we figured <laughs> it out. Maybe he should be a lefty. Oh man. Well, I'm not expecting him to come in here and throw for four thousand yards this year. You know, and I don't think he has to. Like we've said, defense, running game, just be the guy that on third and five. You mentioned it, Mikey. If it wasn't there, he threw it away, and we had a punt. Now this year, third and five. If it's not there. He may be able to convert it himself. I think that could be the difference in the offense this year. Well, there's pros and cons because Mikey Mikey took a, a a second and four and didn't have a play and, and just you know aided or threw it to the ground. Is Plumlee going to try to run around, gets trip sacked, and all of a sudden it's third and twenty now, right? Because he lost sixteen yards. You're gonna you're gonna have the yin and yang with that. It sounds like what Gus is saying is I, I'd rather, to your point, take the risk of saying maybe this kid on on second and four is going to get you know blitzed from the left, juke a guy out of you know juke a guy out of his shoes, run seven yards, slide for first down. We keep the chains moving. I, I think that's what Gus is, I, I assume, banking on. And versus saying, okay, he may make a dumb decision, but I'm going to try to coach that out of him. I'm going to tell him to do these certain things. Um, I guess your bigger concern is that with turnovers, right? If, if he's trying to get loose in the pocket all the time, if he's trying to make plays out of the pocket on the run, unscripted, tip balls, bad bad throws, fumbles. You know, Mikey was at least relatively solid. I think at six INTs last year. Uh, a lot of those were early apart in, in his tenure of playing. So I, I think you had, I think Gus had two options. Safe ball, which is which is Mikey. And then I don't really know, but it could be exciting ball. And it seems like he took the unknown. Now he knows more than we do because he's seen more than we do, but it seems like he took the the ability to say, Hey, there's a wrinkle I can throw into my offense here. And if you think about it logically as an offensive coach, as someone who's an offensive guru, you would think that's the, that's the toy Gus wants to play with, right? That he wants the ability to get into the lab and go, okay, what can I drop now? 
versus saying, all right, on second and seven, I'll throw that screen pass again. Like, I, I feel like now that you think back and look at it, you can see where Gus is going to be enamored with saying, I have, I have something here I can use and I can get creative with this. I can maybe get back to this 2013 Auburn style offense, which I assume is, is sort of the bread and butter of what Gus wants to run. Yeah. And you know, I'm going to give this kid a shot, open eyes. Oh, I, I'm welcoming him with open arms until I see him throw a ball like straight into the ground, you know, on a screen pass. And I say, what the heck are we doing here? It looks like Wimbush again. But until that happens, you know, I, he's our quarterback. Now we had this whole off season. We debated it for weeks. I was team King Kong. I was the first one to tell you that, but now it's uh vanilla rice, baby, rice, rice, baby. Let's go. And, go. and the season starts in a couple days and he's our guy starting. Uh, he's got my support 100% um, until he, he does throws he balls <laughs> all over the field and, and we say, what the heck is he doing? Then I'll be the, got the hot seat warming <laughs> up already. I do with this stat, what you will too, by the way, Mike uh, chip Lindsay was the offensive assistant in Auburn in 2013, only 2013. He was not there in 2012 and he left after that season to go old miss. So he was there in Auburn for one year, 2013. That's the year of the 11 and two season with Nick Marshall and, and Trey Mason. So, and after they leave, they don't do so good. I'm not saying it's all Chip Lindsay, but you can see the connective points. Melzon, Lindsay, both there having run that system. I wonder if there's a lot of that where they're like, hey, we figured this out once. We can figure this out again. And if they can do that, fantastic, right? If you're telling me that that Plumlee's going to put up almost 2,000 yards passing, 14 touchdowns, run for another 1,000 yards, throw or run for another 12 touchdowns, I'm all in. It's 26 touchdowns on the quarterback. I'll take that. Definitely. Definitely. So these guys have the formula. They got the guy that they believe can can do it the same way. And they have the, our trust that, you know, they know what they're doing. So let's see what they can do. Season starts in a couple of days. I, I, I'm, I'm just ready to watch. Man. I, I don't know. All this other debating stuff is done now. It's over. Keen's on the Not bench yet. for now. We got a whole other segment I got to do here, Mike, because <laughs> I got to ask you the second part of this question. Gus did not announce who QB2 is. So we heard a lot about Thomas Castellanos. Now we know he's not QB1. He, we know that he's obviously what we all believe, and this is all just us believing him to be the future QB of UCF, right? Again, but a true freshman. We got Mikey Keene now who who gets beat out for, at least for now, for that QB1 job. We don't know who QB2 is, Mike. Who do you think Gus is going to put on that uh, on that second line when that first depth chart comes out? No, I think it has to be Keene. I mean, as much as Castellanos maybe did some things, uh, if this was truly a QB battle between these two, I don't see how Keene drops down to third. and. I think we've all said Castellanos probably going to get a red shirted this year. I mean, we're going to see him play in a few games, maybe some mop up duty, but I don't think he's going to play in more than four um, unless there's some injuries along the way. But um, you know, I, I think Keen is a good serviceable backup, a, a guy that Gus has told us we can win with. Uh, we've seen that we can win with them. So I, I think that's good to have that a guy that's had experience played in some big games last year, won a big game against Florida. Um, I, I'm comfortable with him. If something goes wrong, if Plumlee's having an off day or he gets banged up or something, Keen comes in for the second half and, and carries the team. I'm fine with that too. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm holding out, Mike, because we went from, hey, we have two guys who can win to a lot of the a lot of conversation recently was we have three guys who can win. And part of me wonders if this isn't going to be a 2016 McKenzie Milton situation. Let's say Plumlee gets injured. God forbid. Hopefully he doesn't knock on wood. Let's say Plumlee goes down a multi-game injury. I wonder if Gus is going to turn around and go, hey, you know what? Future starts now. You know, just what Frost did in 2016 and say, hey, you know what? KZ's probably not ready. I could have gone to Nick Patty. I could have gone any of these other guys, but no, I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to the young kid, see what he's got. 
I wonder if Gus would do something similar. I think that conversation is there for a reason. It's one of two things, in my opinion. One, just gassing up Tommy Castellano so he doesn't get you know pissed off and want to leave. Or two, he's letting us fan base know, hey, there's another name on here. So don't y'all get confused if you see number 12 trotting out there instead of number 13. I don't know. I th- think there's something there. Maybe I'm just too conspiracy theory. Maybe I'm reading too much into this. I do agree, though. Let's say, you know, third quarter, you know, Plumley, you know, hits his hand on a helmet or something. It has to come out for a series to get his wrist taped. I think Mikey Keene trots in for that one. But I think if Gus has to sit down and make a decision about like, OK, I'm, I'm Plumley's down for three straight now with a high ankle sprain and I got to do something. I guess it also depends where we are in the season, but I, I don't know, man. I wouldn't be shocked if all of a sudden we don't see Tommy Tommy C at QB1. Well, this is a big difference in this year than in 2016. 2016, we're coming off a winless season. There were no expectations going into that year. So, you know, it was fine. Everybody said, yeah, let's start the rebuilding process. We got a freshman that can do it. Go ahead. Let us throw him to the fire and see what he's got. In this case, we're com- we're competing for a conference championship. I mean, this team is built to win a championship, or and you know the quarterback just needs to kind of just guide us there. If he's not going to be a playmaker or do something crazy, if Plumlee's out, just give me somebody that's safe with the football and gets the gets the job done that way. Uh, Tommy could be that guy. I mean, Tommy, we're all hoping is the guy of the future. And what about Timmy? Who knows? But um, everybody likes that electric style. I, I get it because you know. He, guys that can run Mackenzie Milton and all that stuff. Everybody loves that. But there's something to be said about a guy that just quietly comes in, doesn't turn the ball over, moves the sticks. And, and before you know it, you'll win the game. So um, I, I would be surprised if Tommy was the, the, the backup, unless, you know, things really went bad in the first half of this season. We start out three and two. Uh, we lose a conference game to SMU early and things are not looking good. And all of a sudden Gush just says, you know what? This kid's looking good in practice. He's got a good grasp of the playbook. Let's give him a shot. But uh, I think there's a, that's a long shot. Well, what do you do if you're Mikey Keene? So, hey, this sucks because to your point, like we all should have, um, you know, we all should have, you know, the utmost respect for everything that Keene did for for this team in 2021, right? As a true freshman coming in, you know, un, undoing whatever the, the damage Dylan Gabriel was potentially doing in the locker room, leading this team, beating the Gators. You know, it feels like all of a sudden, you know, he's the forgotten man. And that sucks that, you know, somebody has to lose out on on, on something like this. Um, but what do you do if you're Mikey Keene? Right. So Plumlee technically has two years of eligibility. Who knows if he'll take him? He may get baseball drafted after this year and, and go to the baseball draft. Who knows? Right. He has two years, technically speaking. You mentioned Tommy Castellanos. He didn't come here to sit. You mentioned Timmy McLean. He's got to sit this year. So if we've got and we've got Will Bone, who's probably not going to you know make a ton of noise. And then Dylan Risk, who's coming in from Cardinal Gibbons. So you got five quarterbacks, four of whom are recruited by Gus, one of whom was not. And that's Mikey Keene. What do you think Mikey does now sitting with this decision as he sits here today on August 22nd? No word from him. Um, Obarski uh, tweeted on his behalf. Not sure if that's the, you know, that's the, that's the voice you want on your side, but whatever. Obarski tweeted, he's not done yet. And, and, you know, added Mikey Keene. Um, what do you do if you're Mikey? Right now you don't do anything. You know, I don't think he's going to enter the portal today. Like we saw a quarter, like we saw Timmy do, you know, the minute he lost the starting job, jump in the portal. I don't think that's Mikey's thing. Um, and he knows just going off last year, he's one play away from being right back in there and it say it does happen and he gets back in there and he's great. Then what, <laughs> you know, I don't care who recruited who to be here. If Mikey comes in and he's winning games and he's, and he's playing fantastic, he's the starting quarterback. And then he's be the, the guy going into next year too, you know? So uh, everything happens. If people say everything happens for a reason, if you want to believe that or not, but I think Mikey is going to let it play out. 
I think he's going to get his chances when he gets in there. He's got to make the best of his opportunities. And at the end of the year, if the writing's on the wall and he, you know, he doesn't get that much playing time this year, or he sees that Cassianos is maybe going to pass him on the depth chart, then he transfers. And, and that's what everybody does nowadays in college football. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, he's got to think of himself first. He's got his own career to think about, but you know, there's other factors too, man. Not everybody just transfers because they're not getting playing time. Some guys, you know, wait three years on the bench and then they get their shot their senior year and then they still end up in the NFL. If you have the talent, the NFL will end up finding you, you know, if that's what he believes is going to do. So I, I think he does nothing for now. I think he just stays ready when his number is called. He's ready to go out there. I think he's got the poise and he's got the uh, straight enough head to, to think that way. So I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I hope, you know, that he'll he'll stick it out and he'll, he'll stay. I mean, that's just a selfish hope on my part, on your part, too. Right. To your point, he'll have to do what's best for him. Again, remember, he, he's a true freshman, so he, he did not get a free COVID year. So he's already burned one year of eligibility. If he plays more than four games this year. He burns a second year. So that'll be interesting to watch is if he does get in mop up duty. You know, you've, you've got Tommy, who I assume. Um, Gus wants to preserve, right? And 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 have a, you know, if he's not going to play him this year, get an extra year out of Tommy. I assume that, right? And you've got Mikey, who may have his own interest of saying, "Hey, I want to preserve a year." To your point, I'm here for the team, and if you need me to come in this game and help us out, I'll do that. But I'm curious how we play that second spot out, especially now garbage time. So garbage time games are going to get a little bit more interesting. You think about South Carolina State, you think about uh, FAU, think about Temple. You know, garbage time games may get more interesting, and that's that's not even including an injury, a helmet pops off, right? Whatever, and you got to run onto the field. Um, so I'm curious to see how that plays out. I, I hope he stays, but I also recognize that he's looking around, going, "Okay, well, you know, let's let's see how this plays out." And just like Timmy McLean said, "Okay, I'm I'm gonna get out of here. It's not my situation. You know, I want to get closer to home." Maybe Mikey does something similar and says, "Hey, I'm gonna get back to Arizona. I'm gonna, you know, go to school out there, be closer to home. Who knows? I don't want to speculate that, but that's what sucks about all this is that both these guys are knights, right? And it feels like the fan base is now fighting each other over it. Should be Mikey, should be John Rice Pumley. You know, we have a backup. We have a third string wide receiver as our starting quarterback, and you know, we have this guy who can't throw. Like at this point, we got to come together. To your point, like wh- whoever's behind center. I mean, that's that's my new favorite player right now because that's that's the most important thing we need is whoever that person is to be successful. Right. Yeah. Everybody's favorite player is the backup quarterback, right? That's the old saying, but not me. My favorite player is the guy that's scoring touchdowns. <laughs> and if Plumlee's coming in there and he's running for a thousand yards and he's scoring every week and we're winning games, then I'm going to love him. But if he's out there and he's throwing the ball away, throwing interceptions and, you know, making us second guess ourselves, then I'm going to start going, beating my chest for King Kong again. So oh <laughs> painful. I, I think we're going to be okay. I think we're fine. Um, but like I said, I, I really haven't seen much of this kid play. I, I kind of know what we had with Mikey Keene. I, I really don't know what we have with John Rice Pumley yet. I know your answer to this question, but I have to ask it anyway. Mm-hmm. Do you give any credence? Do you, do you care about the potential for locker room, you know, dysfunction or locker room issues with those folks who were like, Hey, I think it should be keen. And now it's plumbly. Do you, do you care at all about locker room chemistry? Do you have any concern there with anybody who thought anything different in terms of plumbly being quarterback? I think it can be an issue if those guys let it become that, but I don't think Mikey would, would even let that happen just based on the interviews and seeing the kid a couple of times speak. Uh, like if he was out there and he and he's you know in practice saying oh this is bullshit I should be starting you know putting it in the other guy's ears this and that then I think it could be a problem I, I just don't see that coming from him so I think you know what Gus made the decision fair and square we had a, a QB battle 
Plumley won. And we've seen plenty of times quarterbacks win the battle in the preseason and then it doesn't last very long. I mean, it's happened twice. In, it, yeah, twice in recent history at UCF. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Godfrey wasn't named the starter right away. I think there's since 2015, we've had two seasons where the quarterback started every game. And, and that was in mm-hmm. 2020, which was a shortened year with Dylan Gabriel. And then in uh, 2017 with Mackenzie Milton. Every other year, we've had multiple quarterback start games. You know, 15, we had a bunch, 16, a bunch, 18, because Mackenzie got hurt with Mac. And then last year, obviously. So um, it's never over. It's never over just because, you know, the guy is starting the first game. And there's there's a lot of games to go. 12-game season plus championship game plus bowl game. So anything can happen. Well, I mean, listen, this all goes away if we start winning, right? You know, Plumley goes out against South Carolina State, you know, throws for 250, runs for 125, you know, throws three, runs two, and we win 56 to three, right? Like every, everybody in the team is going to love him. You know what I mean? If he goes out against Louisville, has a monster game, and, and it, you know, we win 34 to, to 21, right? I mean, he'll, he'll be a god on campus, and, and, and the chemistry issues will fix themselves right away. Here's one other item I'm curious about, if, if you think this played any role in it, Mike. Offensive line. We, we know that we've, we're placing some guys. We know that the offensive line is kind of gelling together. You know, we, we've heard some, some stuff here and there that they're kind of working it out. They're getting it figured out. They're bringing a couple new guys here and there. Do you think the O-line plays any factor in this? Meaning, hey, maybe they're not – maybe Gus feels like they can't protect Mikey well enough. And with, with Mikey's skill set, he's a dead man walking back there. So Plumlee gives him that option to have a weapon. Do you think the O-line plays into this at all? I'm sure yeah, it could be a factor if that's what they're seeing in practice. Now, we don't know that. But yeah, sure. If, if I was the coach and I saw that the old line was letting guys loose all the time, give me the guy that's going to get out of that. And that would be Plumley. So it, it very well could be a, a factor in this decision. I, I don't know that it is, but um, very possible. Either way, it's Plumley the quarterback. And for all of you listening, just just zip zip the lip and root for the guy who's there. And if he plays poorly and we make a switch, then great. We, and then, then Gus is going to make the right decision to make a switch. You know, I don't think this is a referendum on Mikey Keene being a bad quarterback. I don't think this is a referendum that JRP is a great quarterback. I think this is the, the quarterback Gus thinks is the best fit for us right now with what he wants to do, with where he sees the offense. And and. Unfortunately, none of us are in a position to question that. We're, we don't. We haven't seen what Gus has seen. We don't know what Gus knows. We don't have the the expertise of understanding what he wants to do. So, as much as maybe Mikey is the better quarterback, Gus thinks that JRP is the right fit right now. Mike, I don't know who the heck we are to to, to argue that point. Maybe Keen is a better quarterback. Maybe he's got better intangibles. But here's where we are. I think we all should just shut up and live with it. I know this much: Gus Malzahn knows way more about football than I do. That's way close. more. <laughs> it it's might close. be. It's, close. Close. it's not that close. Yeah. He knows, and it's his job that's on the line. It's his paycheck. Yeah. He's making a decision because he's doing what he thinks is going to be best for him. So if he says Plumley's the guy, I got to go with it. Plumley's the guy. You know, he wouldn't put Plumley out there just because he brought him into transfer. If he was no good in practice and, and he didn't give us a chance to win, he would not be starting the first game. Either way, congrats to JRP. Um, excited to see him take that that first nap and, and take that step. Hopefully, it's the first step of a great season for UCF. Mike, you mentioned Gus Malzahn's decision making. He made another pretty big decision today, and that decision was to open up his old uh, his old wallet. There, Mike, he found the old checkbook laying around and wrote one out for two five zero K. Um, all going to Recovery Cove, McNamara Cove, there the Lazy River. I don't know what we're calling that project these days, Mike, but Gus putting money 
literally where uh, where mouth is and donating to UCF to get that thing kicked off. Um, we've it's interesting. We've seen a bunch of coaches come and go of late who've been here for holdovers and stops and not really laid roots. Um, you know, Gus, Gus putting down a, a nice check um, is interesting. Mike, I wonder what that what do you think that signals uh, in terms of uh, Gus's commitment or, and why would he do that? Well, I mean, he can do that. One, because he loves like, actually where he's at right now and he thinks it's the best thing for the program. It, it tells everybody, it tells future recruits, hey, I'm invested in this program. You know, I'm putting my own money into this thing. So I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I think that's a good sign. Um, now, if somebody showed up tomorrow <laughs> from the SEC and gave him $20 million a year, you know, <laughs> he's not going to miss that. Make sure the check pounds. clears. Make sure the check clears first. <laughs> yes. He'll be out of here. But um, I, I think it's great what, what he's doing there. And the recovery cove, I mean, we've been talking about it for years. We've seen renderings. I feel like the cows now at this point with all the re- renderings of recovery cove we've seen. Can we get this thing going? Can, can we break ground on this? I want to be floating around pregame before one of these uh, big tailgate parties. I, I want you to float around. Mike. I'm also going to make this one conspiracy theory. Are we sure this is Gus's, Gus's 250K? Are we sure this isn't like a contractual item? <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not so sure that this is what it is. But either way, the fact that he's willing to put his name to it, that he's willing to be a part of this, hopefully shows that he's showing the community. He's investing in UCF. He's investing in the school. Whether it comes from wherever, I don't know. I just have a conspiracy theory that this wasn't Gus. Like, hey, you know what I'm going to do? Christy, get the checkbook. I don't I don't think that's how that went down. But either way. Um, but it's still a good sign that I think Gus wants to, wants to lay some roots down here. Obviously going to the Big 12. Trace actually was just there this week weekend and, and, and film the, the dirt pile that still exists from where where the construction was supposed to start on recovery cove so uh it is it's good to see that moving along mike um what's not good though unfortunately is a story that came out earlier today on monday mike uh, obviously we don't have all the details uh, so i'll just announce the story to you um you can go find the article that's out there but brian blackman our special teams coordinator, tight end coach, previously was uh, of the same role at Troy University. Today, uh, we learned that he was uh, served with a civil lawsuit dates back to the 13th of August uh, involving a, a player who was uh, essentially verbally um, and, 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 and sexually, I, I assume, assaulted um, by another player. Um, according to the article, Blackman was made aware of this on a few different occasions. And uh, according to the article, according to the um, the the person uh, involved said Blackman did nothing to stop this abuse, did nothing to to thwart what was happening to him. Uh, so there's uh, some lawsuits happening. I should note that the um, the individual um, who was uh, um, said to have committed these acts was indeed arrested today. So there's clearly enough evidence, Mike, that the police found it to uh, to arrest somebody. Um, per the article, UCF has no comment on the matter at this point, Mike. Um, again, we don't know all the facts. I have no idea what Brian Blackman's um, version of these events are. I have no idea if there's other situations we're not aware of. Uh, but unfortunately, a, a news story that breaks to your point 10 days before, you know, before kickoff, uh, Brian Blackman, um, his name is involved in, uh, in a situation that unfortunately is not good news. No, I couldn't believe this when you sent this over to me. I thought, great. This is all we need now, right before the season. But a horrible story. Horrible. And I, I can't believe stuff like this. You know, after the Joe Paterno stuff, after, you know, the, the bully gate, even in the NFL and uh, the stuff that happened over in Baylor too, you know, for coaches to hear about things like this and do nothing about it, I can't believe that still happens. You know, you, you would, I, I can see sometimes there's idiot kids that do stupid things like this. That, that part of the story didn't really surprise me yet. Yeah, some idiot 12, 20 year old kid was uh, bullying and, and doing these things. But for the coaches to know about it and not do anything, that's a bad look. And if it's true, this is bad news for Brian Blackman. You know, I think 
he's probably going to get, uh, he's going to get fired if that's the case. Now we don't know the exact details. We don't know his side of the story. That's going to have to come out. It's going to have to be investigated. But uh, right now, just based on this story that was released today, and you you said it that somebody did get arrested for the acts. Now they got to tell whether or not Blackman actually did know about it. Did he do anything about it? Um, at first glance, it does not look good. It's going to be a tricky one because obviously Blackman has the right to to defend himself. He's not being charged with anything, so he's not being charged with a crime. He's essentially being sued by by the victim for uh, lack of action. But UCF's going to have to make a tough decision. On what do we do here? Do we, you know, do we wait for it to play out and, and just kind of leave things as is and say it's a civil matter between two parties? We don't really have anything to do with this. Do they step in and say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna place them on leave for right now until this settles itself out? To your point, do they make the drastic step of saying, hey? You know, if that's his behavior around kids, he's around kids now. We can't have that. UCF is going to have to make a tough decision in the next couple of days. Again, whether to put their hands up and say nothing to do with us, not not a matter at our school, not a matter that's a of a legal nature. It's a it's a it's a lawsuit. Yeah, we 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 have nothing to do with this. I'm I'm curious to see how UCF plays it. Either way, not not a good story. Not something you, I'm sure uh, anybody wants out there. Um, obviously, the, the victim of the story probably is the uh, the person whose thoughts should uh, should be um, considered the most at this point, Mike. But uh, that is what it is. We'll stay close to it. If there's more to report on that, uh, we'll do that. Yeah, <laughs> never good when we have some stories like this pop up. We, every once in a while it happens. I mean, the whole defense, that, that whole incident they had a couple of years ago with the police, that was horrible. You know, uh, even earlier this uh, this summer, Terrence Lewis and the things he had, Tremont Morris Brash with a, with a DUI last season. Stories like that suck. And this one was no fun to read out either. Um Hopefully he's not guilty of these things, uh, and but it's impossible for us to know. I mean, we're going to have to get the full story, and then we'll, we'll know more in the future. Well, he's not charged for crime, so whether guilty or innocent, I don't know. I don't know how you. It's rather they think he's, you know, he, he's responsible for the things that are claimed there. But we will, we will stay close to all that, Mike. No easy way to segue from that. So let's just do this. Let's take a quick break right here. Remind everybody we're sponsored by Gordon Partners. We're going to take this break. We come back. We unveil the Sons of UCF 2022 schedule breakdown. We'll go through each game. We'll kind of tell you where our thoughts are at, how it's going to play out, what we think is going to happen. We'll be dead wrong, so don't you worry about that. Again, Sons of UCF sponsored by Gordon and Partners. We'll be right back. Some people don't understand why you've already busted out the sweaters. They may raise a brow at keeping scarecrows out year-round, but you just go ahead. Let them stare, because you eat, sleep, and drink pumpkin at Dunkin'. So sip your classic spiced and iced $3 medium pumpkin spice signature latte, or try the Bold Pumpkin Cream Cold Brew, an ultra-smooth brew topped with pumpkin cream cold foam. Also $3 for a medium. All so you can fall harder. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. This is UCF head football coach Gus Malzahn, and you should listen to the sons of UCF like your hair is on fire. Go Knights and charge on. A tradition unlike any other, Mike. The 2022 Sons of UCF schedule preview. We go through the games, and we tell you how we think UCF's going to fare. We give you our end-of-season record, our predictions, what we think is going to happen again. If you are listening to us, you can feel free to hit pause right here, head to the YouTube channel. We've got visual accompaniment that is uh, now available for you on YouTube. As we do this particular segment, Mike, I know this is your favorite thing to do every year is to break down the schedule. You have a history tradition of, uh, of predicting undefeated seasons. So I, I don't know if you want to give it away just yet, but uh, we'll see. 
Well, yeah, we're going to go through it game by game. The very first season we did this was 2018. We were coming off a perfect season. We did go undefeated in the regular season that year, so I was correct on that one. We, we ended up losing to LSU, but I didn't even know who the opponent was in that game, so can't really credit me with the loss on that one. 19, I felt very confident about that team going into 19 and started off hot. You know, the Stanford game, things started falling apart in Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. We lost a couple tough ones. 20, the COVID-shortened year. Felt good against uh, on that schedule too. It was only, only conference games. You know, I thought we were one of the best teams in the conference. A couple tough losses there last year. Um, I don't remember exactly what I, I guess I predicted us to win them all. <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah, I think you did right because we had Dylan Gabriel. We thought this right. offense was Gus. We had we had all these guys. I think running back was. Um, you know, running back was the one position last year we didn't know about because we didn't know who the heck Bowser was. RJ Harvey was injured. So oddly enough, the position we feel good about this year is probably the one last year that we were like, eh, who's going to run the ball? Is this Bowser guy, our guy? So it's ironic how that worked out. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I did feel comfortable with Gabriel, that whole thing. So uh, this year, a little different now. We finally found out who the quarterback is and we've known the schedule for a while. We've just dissected that a bunch of times. We know the order. We know well, we don't know the times of all the games, but we know who we're playing, you know, by week, all that stuff. Now it's time to break it down. Are we going to win each pages one? Pages of notes, pages of notes right here, Mike. Here's how we did this this year, though. This is kind of the new wrinkle. So, again, we have no idea. I mean, there's there's game to game. Bounces happen, you know, field goals miss, and then there's Navy, right? Like, we can't predict all these things. So, for each game, Mike and I are going to give out our confidence rating on this game. So it's from five to one. Here's the scale that I texted Mike earlier. He did not uh, dispute this scale. So I'll say this is true. Number five is a no doubt or we're going to win that one. Go, you know, put the women and children to bed early. But, you know, we're good. We're going to win that one. Number A four confidence rating might be close for a bit, but we're going to pull away late. So maybe it's, you know, one of those 24, 21, the end of third quarter. We go ahead and win that one, you know, 31, 24, right? It's close for a little bit, but we're clearly the better team. A three rating means it's a close game. Could come down to one play, maybe a stop on third down, maybe interception, maybe a field goal, maybe, uh, you know, uh, having to get a first down to run the clock out. Could come down to one play. And it's important to note on a three confidence rating, that does mean UCF could still lose because if it's a one play game, you never know what that one play will be. A two confidence rating. It's an uphill battle game. UCF certainly can win, but they're going to have to have a great game, almost a mistake free, perfect game to win. And a one confidence rating is a no way we win game, Mike. So those are the confidence ratings that we have decided this year. That's how we'll work this out. We'll get the first screen, uh, first game on the screen here, Mike. So September 1st, UCF at South Carolina State. Mike, give me your uh, prognostications on this one. Well, we finally know who's starting. Uh, we are vastly more talented than South Carolina State. We should be able to do whatever we want on offense. We should be able to stifle them on defense. I see this one going, you know, lopsided. We get all three quarterbacks in. You know, Plumlee comes in. He's, he scores on his first three drives. Maybe you give Keen a shot there in the, at the end of the second quarter or something. And, yeah, you see Castellanos in the fourth quarter. This should be a blowout game. This should be something like 45 nothing. You know, uh, I feel very confident in this game. Give me a five confidence rating. You say Mike with a, with a five for his confidence rating. Here, here's a couple of fun facts about South Carolina State. Mike, they are the back-to-back MEAC champions. So put some respect on the name if you don't mind. They also won the 2021 HBCU National Championship by virtue of beating Jackson State in uh, some sort of a bowl game there. So uh, certainly uh, they, they've had some success, Mike, but I don't think this is a team that can keep up with uh, with what UCF has to offer on the depth side, the speed side, just the athletes overall. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think this is a uh, 
this is a, a 30 point plus victory for UCF. You know, maybe a garbage touchdown by South Carolina State makes it a little bit more palatable from a final score standpoint, but my confidence is with yours. I'm also out of five. So I feel like we are aligned on the first one. I didn't know they were that good last year. I mean, maybe they lost a lot of seniors from those teams. It's possible. They're only seven to five last year, by the way. So that's, you know, let's, let's break down a notch here. Game two, Mike, this, this one, it's an early, early season, a great test, September 9th at home, Friday night, 730. Louisville comes to town, Mike, if those who forgot, and, and I don't blame you if you did, obviously UCF went to Louisville last year, was in a bit of a slugfest, had a chance maybe to go down and, uh, uh, and, and potentially put a winning field goal on the board. Did not do that. Interception, pick six. That whole thing turns around. Season falls apart uh, from an injury standpoint at that point, Mike. Now we get Louisville at home, revenge game. Louisville and ACC team, Mike. What do you got? This is a big one. Big one early in the year. We need revenge. First time ever Louisville comes to Orlando. We played them three times up there. We know the one in 2013, 38-35 game. Godfrey in the back of the end zone. We know what happened last year. This is a big one for Plumley. It's a big one for set the tone for the season. If you're talking about New Year's six game, you got to win this one, right? And the one big advantage is we're going to be at home. I think this is going to be a raucous crowd. This is going to be one of those atmospheres like college game day in 18. It's going to be like the Stanford game in 19. We haven't had one of those probably since the Stanford game. Number 20 was a COVID year. 21 last year, uh, losing this game on the road early kind of deflated the crowd a little bit. The Boise State game wasn't full because of the rain delay. This is going to be the game early on where we're bouncing, we're loud. That's going to be the difference in this game, but it's going to be close. I don't expect us to blow these guys out. You know, we saw last year we were pretty evenly matched teams, a ball here or there either way. I think this could be one of those that comes down to the wire, maybe even one of those classic overtime thrillers in the bounce house. But UCF at home, Pulls one out. Confidence rating is a three, but this one can go either way. But I, I do, I do think we take the win at home. All right, Louisville was six and seven last year, Mike. Fourth in the AAC Atlantic. There was some thought about whether their head coach would even return this year. He does. Uh, this boils down to me, one guy, Malik Cunningham. This guy killed us last year. Our defense could not really ever find a way to keep him in the pocket, keep him contained. Uh, and I, w- I looked up his stats, Mike. He had a great year last year. You rushed for over 1,000 yards with 20 rushing TDs, threw for over 3,000 yards with 19 TDs, only six interceptions. So th- this kid is the real deal. This kid is you know, exactly what's, you know, what we probably hope Plumley will be for us, right? This is, this is, this is the, the kind of play that we want. Their defense is losing some talent on the front seven. So let's see how that impacts us. Obviously we want to run the ball, I assume a bunch. If they're soft on the front seven, that certainly helps out from that standpoint. They do have some more weapons on, on offense, but you know, obviously I think Malik Cunningham is the name of the game last year. Let's say this out loud, Mike. And I mean this with all sincerity, he flat out embarrassed T. Will. I mean, this was one of T. Will's early games as D coordinator, and we, he flat out embarrassed T. Will. We could not figure out a way to, to stop Lee Cunningham. T. Will's had an entire year to think about this now. Hopefully, the injury bug does not bite us, um, and we get some of those boys back that we did not have last year. Uh, but this is this is a big one. I do think the home field advantage is what I would give. Um, you know, is what I would also give UCF credit for in this one. And, and so if you're doing like the Vegas thing, you get the three points for being at home. I think that does give UCF an advantage, maybe some crowd noise, maybe some energy, a tip pass or here or there. I do think this is close. I think this is one, the fourth quarter, Mike, when you and I are pacing the upstairs of the cabana, uh, just, just jumping around and trying to figure out what to do with ourselves. I think we come out with a win. 
but I'm with you. I'm on a three confidence here for, uh, for UCF Louisville. Yeah, this is going to be one of those where Louisville has the ball at the end and the defense is going to make a stop to win it. Something like that goal line stand against Houston in 2013, the championship game with the Trey Neal interception. Hold on to your shirts. Hold on to your hats for this one. It's going to be a thriller, but we're going to pull it out. I, I, I feel like we're going to win this game. All right, so Mike's got us 2-0 and now going into week three, and we're heading down to Boca Raton. Again, a, a road game, but actually still a, a, an in-state game for us. The FAU Owls, the uh, the Willie Taggart bus is is now in Boca Raton, Mike. Uh, what do you make of the uh, FAU game? This is pretty much another home game. I know it's in Boca, but UCF fans are going to pack this place. We're coming in with a group of about 20 ourselves. So, and, you know, it's basically going to be Orlando South down here. We did the same thing a couple of years ago. We took over the stadium um, and we know how well we play in front of our home crowd. Now we've had two games, you know, Plumlee's starting quarterback. He's gotten through the Louisville game. We had the, the warm up game against South Carolina state. The offense should be rolling now at this point. Defense should be settled in. This should be one of those where we just go in there like we did in, what was it? 2019 and just yep. kind of just handed it to them. You know, they couldn't stop anything we did. Um, you know, Adrian Killens and, and Otis Anderson are just breaking ankles all over the field. We're just a faster team, a stronger team. I, I'm very confident in this game. Uh, I give it five confidence points. I think we're going to win uh, hand, by three touchdowns, you know, uh, comfortably. They, they might hang in there for the first half. You know, they're at home first quarter. But second half, Bowser just wears these guys down, and, and we put them away like 35 to 20, something like that. You, uh, FAU was five and seven last year, Mike. They lost their last four games. They have some names that you would know. Uh, Nikosi Perry, former Miami quarterback, is their starting quarterback. Johnny Ford, former Cows running back, is their running back, Mike. Uh, but they are a team that uh, unfortunately just doesn't have a lot of depth on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they, they only had 17 sacks as a team last year. Uh, they lost their starting quarterback. He went to the NFL draft. Um, and so it sounds like defense, they don't have the horses in, in the stable to be able to keep up with what I think UCF will provide them just from a running, uh, a rushing attack alone. Their offensive line struggled in 2021. Um, they only had four games, Mike, where they ran uh, for over 100 yards. So clearly uh, th there's some struggles on FAU. I think Willie's going to put some, you know, going to put some you know, wrinkles into this, right? I think, you know, he, he sees UCF on the other side. It's probably going to bring back some old memories. Probably throws a couple of gadget plays here and there, a couple of wrinkles here and there. For FAU, this is their this is their Super Bowl, right? This is their opportunity to beat one of the big boys in state, get some bragging rights. I think they'll be amped up. I think they'll be um, juiced up. I do think the crowd will be 50-50, though. I think that'll hurt them a little bit. I think there'll be just as many UCF fans as our FAU fans for that one. I thought about going a four on confidence, but after I read through their bio, Mike, I couldn't do it. I got a five on this one. I agree with you. I think maybe it's, you know, maybe it's, you know, 10 points at halftime or, or whatever. But I think in the second half, I think our, uh, our, our depth, our, uh, our speed, our, our, our power, our size, I think our muscles FEU and uh, we come out with a win, Mike, which makes us three and O by both of our accounts at this point. That's right. Off to a good start to season. Um, only one more non-conference game after this. And, you know, I, I like the way we start this season so far. Georgia Tech then comes to Orlando, Mike, the fourth game on September 24th. Again, not announced from a game time standpoint. Georgia Tech obviously plays in the ACC. Mike, how do you see this one unfolding? Yeah, we just played these guys a couple of years ago and we beat the crap out of them in Georgia, up in Atlanta. Um, the offense is a little different now, but they've been down for a while, Georgia Tech. You know, I, they're probably one of the worst teams in the ACC. They have been for a little while now. 
another game at home where I feel like our crowd's going to be into it. We don't know yet what time this game is. This could be a noon game. This could be a, a night game. We, we won't know that until uh, a couple weeks before the game. But overall, I think we just outmatched them. I, I'm not going to put a five on it, but give me a four. I think Georgia Tech will maybe, you know, like you just said it with FAU. It's a 10-point game at the half, and then we just bury them in the second half. We pull away. So confident, not as confident as the South Carolina State, but pretty confident we win this one. Georgia Tech was 3-9 and nine last year, Mike. They lost their last six games. They didn't score a point in their last two contests. They got beat like 100 to nothing. Uh, I think it was Clemson and Notre Dame, uh, so obviously uh, important teams. Before us, Mike, Georgia Tech plays um, at home at Old Miss, or home to Old Miss, and then they go at Pitt after us. They open the season with Clemson. So in theory, they have Clemson, they have a cupcake, then they have Old Miss, us, and then Pitt. It's a tough start to a season for Georgia Tech. If they've lost Clemson big, and if they've lost to, at Old Miss, I mean, this may be a team that's reeling at this point. Their quarterback, just so everyone knows now, I'm going to say it now so that we don't have to hear this in, in the future. Jeff Sims is their quarterback. He's related to Mike Sims Walker. That's going to come out of like a few hundred times, so I'll, I'll be the first to get it out for you now. Jeff Sims is their quarterback. Obviously, they're transitioning away from the old uh, wishbone-style offense. Jeff Collins is their head coach. Uh, the offense is definitely struggling. Their, their top running back transferred to Alabama. That's uh, probably never a good sign, Mike. They're trying to replace with a couple of guys. Offensive line loses three starters from last year. Defense was 11th in the AAC and run. They were last in all of college football in passing efficiency. They lost four starters on the front seven. Only had three interceptions on the season. Only one from the secondary. A lot of holes to be filled up here at Georgia Tech. They have to make some pretty serious strides in the offseason. Stranger things have happened. But it's a it's a it's a team they're going to fight. I think Jeff Collins' teams always fight. We've seen him uh, when he was at Temple. Uh, I wanted to go five in this one too, but I'll respect uh, some of the playmakers, maybe some of the speed they'll have. I went with a four. I went with you in this one because I could see UCF maybe winning, getting getting up early, and maybe letting the let the foot off the gas, and you know maybe a couple a couple of plays sneak by us here and there, and we still win comfortably. But you know I could see us getting out early. But everything on paper looks like Georgia Tech is just a mash unit. Um, so we'll we'll see how that works out, Mike. But I think it's another nice power five win for UCF. You almost talked me into moving it up to five just now with how okay. bad these guys are. The only reason maybe, you know, if it's a noon game, the crowd's not into it as early. Maybe we sleepwalk through the first quarter or something and, and keep it closer than it should be. But we are the better team. So now 4-0, according to both you and I at this point. And then SMU comes strutting to town. The Ponies come to Orlando October 1st. Again, this will be a big one in AAC play, Mike. We don't know the time of this game yet. October 1st, the Ponies. Your thoughts? These guys manhandled us last year. It was ugly. It was over early, and they just kept pouring it on as much as possible. Um, you know, they're a good team. They got a good quarterback. They've got some good weapons. This is not going to be an easy game. Glad that it's at home. Um, I'm not... As confident, this is one of those, just like the Louisville game, I believe, where this can come down. This is going to be a fourth quarter game. Uh, play here or there. Whoever you know make, makes the big mistake may end up costing them. But again, being at home, I think, gives us a little bit of that edge there. So give me three confidence points in this game. But I could see a possibility where we could lose. But I'm just not going to pick us to lose. SMU was eight and four last year. You mentioned the game, Mike. Fifty-five uh, twenty-eight was the final score. Their schedule's interesting. The week before us, they play TCU. TCU is a Power Five Big Twelve team, but TCU's uh, head coach Sonny Dykes was previously the head coach at SMU last year. 
Brett um, uh, Rhett Lashley, excuse me, is there is there now their head coach, uh, and they have a bye week after us, Mike. So it's interesting. They play what I assume is going to be emotionally charged game the week before. Then they play us. Then obviously they have a bye week. So curious to see kind of what their mindset will be coming in, uh, into this one. Uh, I think for most people, this is one of the bigger American Conference games scheduled uh, for right now. Rhett Lashley, again, uh, he he was uh, the offensive coordinator for SMU. He was with Miami last year. Their offense was pretty prolific. 466 yards a game, 38 points. Tanner Mordecai, their quarterback, returns 3,600 yards, 39 touchdowns, Mike. Um, they have a, a couple of a running backs, a Bama transfer uh, that comes in, last name Wheaton. Um, secondary could be a challenge, so we'll, we'll see where they're at. They do get Cincinnati and Houston later on the season, both at home. So for them... This is the game that I imagine they're saying, if we win this one, we're, we have the opportunity to run the conference now because we have both of our tougher two opponents in our home stadium, which, by the way, is underwater today, if you saw any pictures on the internet. Um, so this is their chance. This is their Super Bowl, but they have an emotionally charged game ahead of us. This team scares me, Mike. This team scares me. They have weapons. Uh, clearly, last year, they, they, they got the better of us. They have a really good quarterback. Um, we think we have a good secondary, so by, by game five, we should know where they're at. This is one that I, I could see this one going down to the, to the wire and us getting the short end of the stick. I don't know if I'm predicting a loss on this one, but if you ask me to, to find a loss in the schedule, this could be one you could talk me into. I'm still going to go three. I don't think this is a blowout by last year. I think this is a close game, but this is one that, you know, Plumlee makes that one mistake kind of deal, and, and, and we end up, you know, giving the ball away. These guys are pretty good on offense. We'll see if they can hold down our defense. They seem to be pretty good on the run. That's obviously our strength. So uh, I don't know if it's a if it's, it's a style match for us. So I'm going to give three confidence points on this one, but this is, this is one that's got me scared. SMU's played us tough a lot. Even in years where they weren't that good, they played us tough. 2013, they weren't that good, and, and it was a tough one up there. Um, they've beat us a few times up in uh, Dallas. I don't think they've ever beat us in Orlando. I don't even know how many times we've actually played them in Orlando. Probably only a, hand, a couple times. Obviously, the championship game in 2010, maybe one or two other times. Um, but, yeah, it's not going to be an easy one. I wouldn't be surprised. Again, overtime, fourth quarter, defense has to make a stop, something like that. Uh, it's going to be a, a nail-biter for sure. Our only hope is that for some reason the offense isn't gelling under Rhett Lashley and they're having some troubles getting everything kind of picked together. They also have a backup quarterback that is a really high, I think is a four or five star recruit. His name is Preston Stone uh, that obviously went to SMU to play. You know, sort of the, the, do we, did they do something? I think he played last year actually, but we were, we were losing pretty big. Um, you know, do they try to get him in the game, throw some rhythm off at that point? I mean, you got to hope maybe SMU shoots themselves in the foot a little bit on this one. You also got to hope that, you know, for us, we, we come off the Georgia Tech game. So that's the, that's why that game in front of us is really important. If we can put that one away early, get some guys some rest, that's why I think Georgia Tech may score some garbage time touchdowns because then we have SMU. We could we could rest up for that. And then after that, Mike, week game six, we have Temple. Right. So next week, the week after SMU, recognize we probably don't have the toughest, uh, the toughest road there. So we'll see what that looks like. But game six, October 13th, uh, UCF welcomes the Temple Owls to Orlando. Mike, uh, I think I know where you're going here, but why don't you go ahead and tell us why? Yeah, this is also coming off a bye week because we played on October 1st, SMU, October 13th, Temple. Temple, I think, is the worst team in the conference, worse than the Cows. I think they were worse than them last year, too. This should be a blowout. I mean, we're coming I'll, in. Well I'll record. give you five dollars right now if you can tell me the name of their head coach. No, I can't tell you anybody. I can't <laughs> even name a player on their team. <laughs> Fair Rod Carey was the head coach, right? Yeah. He's not the coach. Oh, he got fired. Yeah, he got fired. Right, so I have no idea. Um, yeah, they, they've been a dumpster fire for a little while now. Temple. I'm very confident in this game. 
Uh, one, we're fully rested. Two, they're very bad. Uh, this should be, uh, and it's the space game. You know, we, we already know how well we play the space game. The, the guys are going to be hyped up with those uniforms. Um, it, well, it's a night game, yes? Obviously, I think it's a weeknight game, Thursday night or uh, Friday night. Looks I like. think it is a weeknight game. I believe it is. Hold, please. The first uh, it's is a Saturday. It's a Thursday. There you go. So uh, should be have some good crowd attendance. That uh, the student section will be packed. They they love those weeknight games. Um, but this should be no contest. We should blow these guys out of the water. This is a this game has you know fifty one ten written all over it. Give me all the confidence points for this one. Yeah, uh, they were three and nine last year. Mike UCF wins forty nine to seven. Uh, I mean, that's a game Mikey Keen you know played out of his mind. I think Alec Holler had two touchdowns in that game last year. Their head coach, by the way, Stan Drayton. Rats to stand on, on that job. Uh, here's what you need to know. The defense in 2021 gave up 4.8 yards of carry. That just smells like uh, Bowser, J. Rich, Marr, JRP will run all over them at that point. I think this is a pretty pretty easy dub for uh, for UCF as well. So I'm going to give the five confidence points, Mike. So do I? you have them 6-0 and at this point. Is that is that correct? That's right. 2-0 and in conference, 6-0 okay. okay. overall. Okay, well. ECU is up next, Mike. We go to ECU October 22nd. Uh, this is an interesting old-school rivalry. I believe it's 10-10, an all-time series tied, if I have that right. So this is the rubber match, presumably one of the last times we may play ECU as we obviously move on to the Big 12. ECU played us tough at home last year. They're a bit of a darling this year. Mike, what do you got? Yeah, this is not going to be as easy as it's been the last few years, I don't believe. Even though last year was not easy either. I mean, we snuck out of that game at home. They played us very tough. Now going on the road, Holton Aylers has been there for 300 years already. Uh, he'll be back again this year. East Carolina, it, they may have a good season up to this point. If their record is solid, that's going to be a tough environment. They're going to pack that place. Those fans go back to those 2005, 2006, 2007 years. That, that stadium was not an easy place to play at. I, I think they can get some of that back again this year. Uh, I still think we pull it off. You know, if this if there is a game we slip up on the road, this may be one of the tougher road games on the schedule. I could see it. I could see this being that Navy game where you know mm. people didn't expect us to lose. All of a sudden, we're in a dogfight in the fourth quarter, and you know, one bad play turns into two bad plays. Something snowballs, and, and it gets away from us. But I'm not going to pick that. I'm going to pick us to win this game on the road. Also, with only three confidence points, I think it's close going down to the end. Somehow we pull it away. ECU seven and five last year, Mike. If you remember that game, we won twenty to sixteen. We needed basically Mark Anthony Richards to you know dust the cobwebs off on a couple of final series uh, to get us a, a victory, eke out a victory against ECU, uh, which was a, an ugly game but a nice win. Holt Nailers is twenty nine years old. Uh, he'll be back. They have a good running tandem. Like Keaton Mitchell and Rajai uh, Rajai Davis are, are back there. Uh, they're, they're a good running tandem. Uh, ECU was seven and zero in twenty twenty one when they ran for over a hundred and fifty yards. So. The running attack will be important. I'll hopefully know more about our running defense by the time we get to game seven. We'll have seen how they hold up against a Louisville. We'll see how they hold up against an SMU. So we'll, we'll know how our, our rushing defense is. Clearly, that's the strength. CJ Johnson's back for like his 19th year. I think that one guy is finally gone. Number 22, I forget his name, the, the little white guy. I think he's finally gone for the first time ever. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what uh, ECU can do. But this is a road game. Obviously, ECU, is this is their opportunity, I think, to, to get at us one more time. There's an old school rivalry. And... 
week after, Mike, we play Cincinnati. We'll get back to that. But this is one of those quintessential trap games. If Cincinnati's playing well undefeated, if we beat ECU, or I'm sorry, we beat SMU, this could be one where we're starting to look ahead a little bit. I think ECU certainly played us tough last year. Hopefully Gus remembers that. I could see this thing going down to the wire late, similar to last year's game. But I do think at this point we'll have too much depth, too much talent on our side. But I side with you. Only three confidence points. Because if you tell me this is a 21-20 UCF victory, I wouldn't be surprised. If you tell me it's a 21-20 UCF loss, I wouldn't be surprised, right? I think this is going to be a close one. I think uh, you know we'll, we'll play down a little bit. I think ECU is just ta- just talented enough, does dangerous enough to give us some problems. Uh, but I do think we pull out a victory uh, to win the series, maybe for all time. East Carolina may not find themselves in the championship game this year, but they are going to knock off somebody along the way. That's gonna that's gonna knock somebody else out, whether it's us or SMU or Cincinnati or Houston, they're going to play a part somewhere in the standings. They're going to spoil somebody's season, I believe. Well, they have Tulsa before this. Tulsa is always a tough team to play after they have BYU on a short week. Uh, but again, non-conference game for them, so it probably doesn't matter much. But obviously, another game they have to look out for. So we'll see how that, uh, how that transpires. Mike, I already said it. October 29th. Circle this one on the calendar, friends. This one has the potential to be a ginormous game. FBC Mortgage Stadium is going to be the site. We don't know the time yet on this one, Mike. Cincinnati, obviously the darling of last year, is coming to town to play us. Last year got ugly. We know it went. This is a big one, Mike. I need I need the Mike analysis on this one. If there's losses coming, is this where you're going? If there's losses coming is the, is the question. That's I said if. I said yeah. if. <laughs> this would be one of the ones. You know, anyone that has a three confidence point has a possibility of being a loss. This one, we got to get over the hump on these guys. It's three years in a row now they've beat us. You know, every championship team has that one team that, you know, is just in their way until they finally get past them. We were that team for Memphis. I mean, we, we beat Memphis how many times in a row until they finally got past us with that Obarski kick? Um, Memphis was that team for Cincinnati. Cincinnati lost to Memphis a couple of times at the end. What was it the 2019 season? They lost in the championship game. They, they lost to them two weeks in a row. And then the following year finally got over that hump. We see that all the time with championship teams. If we're going to go on to win the conference this year, if we're going to play in the championship game, we have to be able to beat Cincinnati at home this year. This is a huge game on the schedule. I have it circled already. Um, Confidence-wise, I mean, they're a good team. They've well, lost when, when, when did you circle it? When did the circling take place? As soon as the schedule came out. Okay. Circled it right away. That was probably the first game I circled. Uh, they're a very good team. Now, we know they lost a lot of talent from last year. They're not the same team as last year. But by this point in the season, they should have things under control. They should have things rolling by then. They have a tough start to the year at Arkansas. Uh, if they pull that game off, this could be one of those – things where we're at collision course, two undefeated teams. You know, we know the history between the two possible college game day. Maybe uh, it depends on what other schedule is on the schedule that week. How the other teams look, I think it's Florida, Georgia that weekend, but you know, we don't expect the Gators to be great. So that may not be one. It's possible college game day returns to Orlando. If, if it is to return to Orlando, it would be for this game. I would believe. Um, but another one that's going to come down to the end, fourth quarter, You know, we were heading into the fourth quarter, tied, down three, up three, something like that. It's a close one all the way through. Give me that home crowd again to be the difference. We pull it off three three confidence points, but uh, I, I believe in this team to get it done finally against Cincinnati. It's been a while since we beat these guys. 
Ooh, it's a big one. 56-21. They uh they, they took us last year. Mike, I would say only one loss in the uh, in the playoff. Um, here's a couple of, of, of notices. They're playing SMU before us. So that could be interesting if uh if if things have not gone well with SMU, where are they at from a mental perspective? You know, can they can they stay straight? So if SMU beats them at that point, now they have that one loss. How does that factor in? They have Navy after us. Navy's always tough to play. So are they looking ahead? Probably not at that point, though. They're returning all of their offensive line which is concerning. They're returning a, a good tight end to Josh Wiley. Their quarterback position is up for grabs. Everybody thinks Evan Prater's the guy, but Ben Bryant was there, transferred, and is now back, so he pres- presumably knows the system. Both corners are now playing in the NFL, so they have to replace some talent there. They have some running backs after a place with Jerome Ford. They have a transfer from LSU plus two other guys there, so there is talent there. This kind of reminds me a little bit about you know the situation where UCF was had, where we had a really good season. Everyone thought we were going to step down, but we had we had guys, we had players that we were there to kind of reload with. So that kind of gives me a little of that a little of that reminder on this one. Um, Luke Fickle obviously is a, is a pretty darn good coach. Um, here's an interesting th- thing to think about, Mike. If we don't win this game, there will be players on our team that'll leave UCF that have never beat Cincinnati. We lost them in nineteen, lost them in twenty. They lost them in 21. If we don't win this year, they're presumably guys who are going to leave the team who have never beaten Cincinnati. In my mind, we cannot let that happen. I think it's going to be a tough one. I think it's going to be one of those slobber knocker style games. It's going to be one of those games where someone on our side is going to have to make a big play, a key play at some point. That's a defensive stop. If that's a special teams touchdown, you know, something is going to have to break our way. I like our chances being at home. I like the possibility of Cincinnati maybe getting humbled earlier in the year and, and maybe starting to figure some stuff out and kind of get on that on that trail where they lose a couple. Um, I actually probably feel more confident in this one than I do some of the other ones, um, but I do think it'll be close. Give me three confidence points on this one, but I do think UCF can pull this one out at home. Again, assuming the season's gone as we think at this point, I think momentum's on our side. Um, but Cincinnati is going to be a tough out. I think a lot will determine on how they played leading up to this. We've talked to a bunch of guys from that 2010 team that used to say the same thing about East Carolina. I think they had a team meeting before that game against East Carolina where, remember, we had already lost to them in I, I, 08, 09, I think even 06 and 07. They had our number. Um, and people were saying the same thing. You know, This is our last shot at these guys. We got to make it count now. I think there's going to be big talks about this game in the locker room leading up to this game. Guys know that this is the one we have to get by if we're going to play in that championship game. We have to win this one. So um, huge game on the schedule for this year. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I, that's surprising to me that there there will be guys who who potentially can never beat Cincinnati if we don't pull this one out. I, I think I also got to hope that this is one where Gus – takes a little bit of that chip on the shoulder and says, okay, we got our ass handed to us last year. Granted, we didn't have all the horses that we wanted. We didn't have all the bullets and the gun that we needed, but I got to hope that this is one where Gus and T will have been sitting around all off season saying like, okay, how do we, how do we make this right? Because SMU and Cincinnati flat out embarrassed us last year. And again, we didn't have everybody we needed. Hopefully Gus has kind of taken that to, to heart and figuring out ways. And he stayed up all, uh, all summer long trying to figure out how to beat uh, Cincinnati. Mike. So Mike has his eight. No going into week nine. <laughs> Where we head to Memphis. You also have us 8 0, don't you? And have we had confidence points on everyone? Are we in agreement on um, every game so far? Not not for long, we won't. Um, <laughs> at Memphis, November 5th, 
Uh, obviously, Memphis is an opponent we played a ton over time, Mike. Um, but uh, we had had a good game with them last year. A nice, a nice victory for the Knights. But going to Memphis uh, at this point, what our our I guess ECU would be our toughest road game up to this point in time. Uh, but going to Memphis could be just as uh, as challenging. Mike, first road tilt for the Knights. What do you got? Yeah, uh, we beat Memphis handily last year. Uh, that was the game that we did the spaces. It was like a Friday night game, right? Mm-hmm. And we pretty much controlled that entire game. They didn't know who their quarterback was. I think they played a couple different guys back there. Uh, they took a step back last year from where they were the couple years before that. Uh, Mike Norvell leaving, and now the guy that's in there now, I don't even know what to think of him. So I'm not as scared of Memphis. I understand that you know it's on the road. It could be a little chilly there in November, early November. We've seen some tough games there before, too. You know, I keep going back to 2013 season, but that, that was the season where you know, the Cardiac Knights really became the Cardiac Knights. And it was because of games like this in Memphis, games where we were the better team, but we had probably no business winning that game. You know, at the very end, we needed to stand back to knock the ball loose on the kickoff and a lot of breaks to go our way. Uh, I don't think we even need that much to beat this Memphis team. Our team should be rolling by then. I feel confident. I, I think they'll give us a fight early on. And I think this is another one where we just pull away in the second half and we win this one, you know, 31-20. Confidence points? Uh, four confidence points. There you go. Yeah, that's correct. You did get four confidence points. Uh, so six and six last year. Obviously, we beat them 24 uh, seven. They started a, a true freshman quarterback in that game. Mike, his last name was Parrish. He's not actually with them anymore. I don't know where he where, where he went. I'll try to figure that out. But I don't know where he went to. Um, they have a bye before playing us. They have Tulsa after us. And at this point, they would have played Houston already at home. So this is interesting because if for some reason they upset Houston at home. They've got a decent, decently easy schedule up until this point, right? And now they're coming in playing playing us at home. That certainly changes the narrative for this particular game, particularly if we've beaten SMU and Cincinnati. Now we're sort of in the way if if they can if they can pull off Houston. And I know that's a big if. They have a new offensive coordinator, Mike. Three offensive linemen returning. Uh, the new OC is pronounced to have a ground attack approach on offense. Quarterback Seth Hannigan is coming in. He played a little bit last year, got injured. Um, and so I don't know that we got to see uh, the full uh, you know, the full package he has. The D-line is, is said to be young last year. Gave up 418 yards per game, 29 points a game. Don't forget their head coach, um, uh, Ryan Silverfield, said that he wants to send UCF out of the conference with a loss. Crazy things happen in Memphis. We've seen this before. It happens in the stands to some of our fans in the past. Uh, crazy things have happened there. This is one of those. I feel like it's kind of that ECU style game. Let's say we beat Cincinnati the week before. You know, we're coming down a little bit off off a high, going to Memphis, a team that we probably are better than. I can see us playing down to our opponent on this one as well. You know, uh, it could be a night game potentially. Could be chilly on that on that game. Could be some guys banged up after a physical game the week before. Um, I think we win this one, but I got the three confidence points. I think this one turns out closer than, than we probably wanted to. This is one of the fourth quarter where we're only up by like four or five points, six points. And we're like, what are we doing? We are way better than this team, but we're making mistakes kind of like Tulsa esque in some of those past years. So uh, maybe I've just got some PTSD. We've always had close games in Memphis. It's kind of been a bit of a house of horrors for us. So I say this one stays close to, I think we win this one, but I think this is one at the end where we're like, what were we doing on this one? Yeah, it's a possibility for a letdown game. I could see that angle. But, um, you know, 
we, we've dominated this series against Memphis. They, they did beat us that one time with the Obarski missed field goal. If it's not for that, we've won what, 13, 14 in a row against them, something like that. So yeah. um, I'm not as scared of Memphis, especially not this year. But um, I, I could see, you know, crazy things happening just because it's football. But I think we are the better team. We should we should win this game. Yeah, I agree. It's just house of horse. Feels like every the last couple of times we've been there has been something of a of a crazy close game. Uh, if you throw out the 2015 year or whatever, it's been a crazy close game. Something that we've had to kind of rally or you know last second field goal. KZ flips into the end zone. Right? There's always been something with Memphis. So I feel like we're we're there again, Mike. So game ten. If I have this right, I think I've got these out of order. Hold on a second. We're having my. Yeah, well, that's there we go. Tulane, there we go. We got Tulane. We got Tulane. So it's game 10. Sorry for the graphic error there. Uh, so Tulane, Mike, um, not a fantastic team last year. Where are you at with confidence points? Where are you at with Tulane? Yeah, well, it's the second back of a back-to-back on the road. That's kind of what scares me a little bit. Um, but, uh, again, better team by then. If we are where I say we are, and we're 9-0 at this point, you see the light at the end of the tunnel. You see the New Year's Six game looking at you in the face. You know, the ranking by then, we're probably in the top 15. So uh, I feel confident going into this game. Tulane, by this point, who knows where they are at their, in their season. Um, that kid Pratt has played well at quarterback. I don't even know if he's going to be the starting quarterback this year. But, you know, he showed signs the last couple of years with a couple of times we played him. But I, I feel good about this one, too. Give me four confidence points. We win. Um, maybe they give us a ball game for two, three quarters, and then we're just too much for them down the stretch. Two and 10 last year. Obviously, we eked out a 14 10 uh, win uh, at home on a chilly day. I was at that game, it was freezing. Willie Fritz, their, their head coach, they're returning nine starters on offense, Mike, including some names you may know Tajay Spears, Cameron Carroll, Deuce Watts is there. I think his brother Fat Watts has left, but Deuce Watts is still a receiver for Tulane. You mentioned Michael Pratt. Uh, 21 touchdown passes last year. He seems like a pretty decent quarterback. Name of the game, Mike, is turnovers. 25 turnovers for Tulane in 2021. They had three. They had five games where they had three or more turnovers. Clearly, protecting protecting the football has been a challenge for them. It's going to be a road game, though. You never know what will happen down there. I do think this is one that we should be able to win pretty handily, though. So I align with you on uh, on the four confidence points for what is game ten. Don't don't uh, pay attention to the slide, Mike. That brings us back to Navy. We will play Navy again. Obviously, they are the next opponent. At this point now, you've got us undefeated going into Navy. Navy, obviously, <laughs> last year uh, uh, still has us scratching our heads into what happened there, Mike. Um, where do you see this one playing out for, at this point, I guess the 10-0 and UCF Knights? Yeah, I'm glad we get these guys at home this time. Obviously, we know. I still don't know how we lost that game last year. Up by 14 in the fourth quarter, found a way to blow it. Um, but we are the better team again. We're the more talented team here. And now we're the ones kind of wearing them down. We're the ones with the running game, as long as we're healthy and the defense hopefully has figured out what went wrong last year. The defense is supposed to be better this year. Uh, this is a big game for the linebackers. I could see them giving us problems. I can see, you know, just the way Navy plays, you know, with their blocking schemes and all that stuff, it could be one of those tougher ones, but the fact that it's at home, I believe uh, we, we another one where, you know, first half, maybe they're in there with us, but then we, we pull away there again in the second half. Uh, I feel confident in a win, you know, something like 36 to 25. 
four confidence, four confidence points. There you go. Okay. This is another one of those T will win games, right? Cause this is another game last year where T will and that offense um, or that defense rather did, did not play up to, up to snuff again, coming off injuries uh, obviously the week before and it's Louisville uh, did not help a, a ton at this point. Um, you know, we had a, a bunch of bad assignments last, uh, last year during this game. I remember specifically Eric Gilliard being out of position a few different times. Uh, Navy was four and eight last year. Again, 34, 30, they put up 34 points on us. Uh, before that they played Notre Dame and then we are their last game until, uh, until the uh, army Navy game, assuming they don't go to the AAC champion. So we are the final game of the regular season before they, they face army. Their quarterback is back. Ty Lavatai. He was a decent player last year, Mike, but what I read on research here is that all of their main running backs have left or, or graduated or gone and their top three running backs this year are all under 210 pounds. And most of the most people will remember Navy usually has a big bruising fullback, you know, style guy that that busts the line and gets a bunch of yards. These are smaller, um, you know, lighter, skinnier uh, running backs. So not necessarily a perfect fit for that offense. They lost a lot of uh, a lot of players on defense or top three tacklers on defense are gone. I actually was going to make this a three confident point game because it's always close with Navy. Right. It's always a close game. Um, there's always an opportunity for for them to chew the clock down and you make one turnover and all of a sudden you don't see the ball for like 17 minutes straight. Uh, but I think the youth on the on the running back side, I think the youth on the defensive side, it being a home game for UCF, hopefully T. Will's got a little bit a uh, little bit in, in the pocket for this one. I'm going to agree with you on four confidence points for Navy. It always scares me. Right. They run a different style of offense. They're going to cut block. Uh, things can always get weird against Navy, but. Hopefully being at home and learning our lesson last year and, and T Will's been in the lab figuring this one out. Yeah, they gotta make whatever adjustments that is necessary from last year's game. That was just an ugly one to watch, man. I still have nightmares about that game. Even with that blocked punt that they rescored for a touchdown, we still had a two-score lead in the fourth quarter and yeah. still found a way to, to throw that game away. I don't know how, but that cannot happen again here at home. I feel good about this one. All right, so that means 11-0 UCF, according to UCF Mike, traveling to South Florida. Good game could be Friday, Saturday. I don't think that's been decided exactly when the game is yet at this point, Mike. But the final war on I-4 game, as far as we can tell, for the foreseeable future. Obviously, a, a good rivalry game, our main rival for the last couple of years. UCF has, has handily taken this series uh, over the last five, six years, Mike. The final installment on the road, last game of the year. Can't hold anything, hold anything back now. What do you got for game 12 for UCF and the Cows? Throw out the record books for as bad as we think the Cows may be. I think they're actually going to be better than a lot of people think going into this year. They, they have to be. They can't be as bad as they've been the last few years. You got a new quarterback this year. Um, Jeff Scott's job is on the line. They And they've played us tough the last two seasons. In the last two installments of this series have not been as easy as we thought it was going to be last year was a tough one all the way down to the end the year before i thought we were going to blow them out and they somehow kept matching us touchdown for touchdown in that high scoring game in tampa this one's on the road but as you know we'll have more fans there than they will so that's not really going to be much of a factor um i feel confident i don't feel like it's going to be a blowout confident i don't unless we get that timmy mcclain he still has that uh, playbook in his pocket, and we know everything that they're running. Then this could get ugly. But um, I, I feel good about the game. I feel like four confidence points. We win the game, but it's not going to be you know uh, an easy blowout like we had maybe in 2018 and, and 19. To your point, the Cows were 2-10 and 10 last year. 
Um, we narrowly uh, escaped with a 17-13 win. Uh, really kind of went on the final play uh, with Timmy McLean, obviously. But he's not there anymore. Jerry Bohannon, the quarterback, a transfer from Baylor. Like he had a decent year at Baylor last year, rushed for nine touchdowns, threw for 18 more. They're returning a couple of weapons on offense. Xavier Weaver, Jaron Mangum, Kelly Joyner, Brian Battle, Jimmy Horn. So they have some speed. They have some, you know, some good stuff on on uh, on offense. Uh, their line was a little suspect this year. I, I think they've got a couple of guys up front they feel really good about. So can the line stick together? Last year, there was a story of the collapsing defense for the Cows. Uh, new D coordinator starts this year. His name is Bob Shoup. Last year, for context, they gave up 476 yards a game and 35 points a game. Only had nine sacks as an, into- as an entire team last year. They are trying to shore up their defensive line, Mike. They have five transfers come in to play sort of D-line, D-tackle to try to begin to, to, to plug the run. They give up 5.8 yards per carry last year. Again, obviously, if they're weak against the run, I see Gus and Chip and everybody's smiling right now if we can kind of run the ball down their throat. They have a good linebacker, though, in Antonio Greer. But here's the thing. It's a rivalry game. It's the last time. I, I think the kitchen sink is on the table for this one, my friend. Cheap shots and, and trick plays and things you hadn't seen before. I think Jeff Scott goes to a page in the playbook Timmy McLean probably never saw before. I think you throw it all out. I think this will be kind of a wild 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 West, I predict fights in the stands between our fans and the Cow fans. I think this will be one of those where it'll be a, a, a knockdown, drag him out. I do like your point about Timmy McClain. In theory, this year he's the scout team quarterback. So who better than to, to execute the, the Cow's plays and scout team than Timmy McClain, right? But I imagine Jeff Scott will make a couple of wrinkles from here and there. And no matter what the Cow's record is at this point, I agree. I think they'll be improved. This is their Super Bowl. This is probably their bowl game. I don't I don't think they're a six, seven win team this year, right? They may go four or five wins. This is their bowl game. I think they're gonna hold everything they can to win this one. I think it's gonna be a tough knocked out drag down fight. I could see it going to a, a late a late decision on a on a stop on a field goal, Mike. So I'm only gonna go three confidence points here. I do think we're the better team. I think we'll figure out a way to come out on top, but this strikes me as one that it's gonna be a long afternoon with a lot of crazy stuff happening in between. Yep, and that seems to be the way these games usually go. We've had blowouts, a couple here and there, but for the most part, this is a tough game. Again, 2013, we were the much better team. They only won two games that year, and it came down to the final minutes. We were losing that game with four minutes to go. So I could see it being a struggle, but I think just overall, and if we are undefeated at this point, you know, we have everything to play for. That New Year's Six game is right in front of your face. You go into that game in Tampa, and you take care of business. All right, so that's that's the schedule then, Mike. So do I have this correct? You have not yet predicted a loss on this schedule. At least your confidence points haven't pointed to any loss. You've mentioned a few games that you think could be problematic for UCF. So your official prediction on record is? Yeah, uh, we are going to be favored to win pretty much every game. Maybe there's a game or two or not. But, I mean, there's no game where we ranked it a two right? Where we have to play perfect to win. There's no game where we ranked at a one where we have no chance of winning. We have a chance to win every single game on this schedule. The toughest ones are at home. We know that there are three. No, I think four games I put in there with uh, uh, three confidence points, which means we could lose those games. That could, that's a bounce of the ball either way. Even if we, two of those don't go our way, 10 and two is a good year, probably good enough to get us in the championship game, depending on which games those are. If we lose Louisville and we lose one conference game, uh, I think we still find ourselves in the championship game. So that'd be a good year. 
if I had to bet on it, I'd say, yeah, 10 Ooh. and two would be our record 10 okay. and two. But you just told me, heard me tell you why we're going to win every single one of them. So somewhere 11 and one, let's cut the difference and call it 11 and one. I got 10 and two. I have our two losses coming in one of these, two of these four games, Louisville, SMU, Cincinnati, and Memphis. Selfishly, I hope it's Louisville and then one of those other three, right? Because from a conference perspective, that helps us out. But I think if we lose a game, I think it's within those four games right there. Hopefully, it's not two conference games. And if it is, hopefully, there's chaos around us that keeps us in the conference championship, Mike. It's been a minute since we've been back in the AAC conference championship. I know you've said that's that's the you know that's the bar this year. We we must play in the conference championship game. In your mind, obviously, a 10-2 and and 11-1 season, that gets you in the conference championship, I guess, depending upon when those two losses are, right? Yeah, if we lose two conference games and you know one there to SMU and, and Cincinnati, we don't have the tiebreaker. They, those teams would need three losses in order for us to make the championship game. So I, that's not likely. So we, I don't think you can afford more than one slip up in conference because you know Houston, they got that easier schedule. They, they're probably going to find themselves there on championship Saturday, and it's going to be between us, SMU, and Cincinnati for that other spot. I think. What road game concerns you the most? You had ECU at a, uh, at a three confidence point, right? So I assume ECU is the, the road game that you have the most concern about. Yeah, that's the first road game on this. Well, I mean, FAU, which I don't count, but um, yeah, I, I would say that could be a tough environment to play in Tulane. I don't think rock is crowd. It's a small stadium. I don't think really that's a big, that's something that scares me much. The, the cows is basically our home game too. So I, Memphis could be tough. Memphis could be tough, but I think East Carolina is probably the scariest of the four. Does this exercise change for you if it's Mikey Keene at quarterback? Uh, probably not because <laughs> we would have felt the same way about the team. You know, I don't think it changes much. Does it so. change for you that you've never seen John Rice Plumley play quarterback and you have no idea <laughs> if he's any good, but you just said we're going to win 11 games with the schedule? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> this is the su- called the sons of UCF for a reason. If I thought yeah, uh, any of these teams were that much better than us, I would say it. And I would say, you know, we have no chance of winning this game. There's no game on here that I say we have no chance of winning. So um, I feel good about it. I feel good about it. And like I said, there probably will be a slip up or two in there. I just can't tell you which one it is. You know, there's no Alabama on the schedule. There's no Clemson on the schedule, um, anything like that. So I feel good every week lining up as long as we're healthy with with all the guys we've got. I, I feel like we could beat every single one of these teams on the schedule. Ooh, that's, I mean, healthy is a big issue, though, right? I mean, last year we, we did not expect the injury. Who is there? Who's the guy who gets injured that we can't overcome? Who Bowser? Is it is it Bowser? I mean, we've got a stable behind him. Yeah, we saw that worked out last year. Plumley, we have Keen. We feel good about that potentially, or even Thomas Castellanos. Is there a guy that he gets injured and you say to yourself, "Oh no, now we got problems." Yeah, I would say Bowser, especially if it's. I mean, if he gets hurt and he can't play the Temple game, we're fine. You know, if he yeah. can't play against South Carolina State to open the year for whatever reason, we can deal with it. If he's not being, if he's not able to play against Cincinnati, or he's not able to play against East Carolina on the road, I'm not feeling great heading into those games. It's interesting. Bowser, I think, is the natural choice. I think the other two I thought of real quick when I said that one would be Jeremiah John Baptiste because he's really our only veteran linebacker, right? That's already a position we're thin at. And then I know we played with Adam last year, but we're, you know we're a much different team now. Is Matt Lee? 
you know, not having your starting center. I, I think maybe Sam Jackson slides over to center. I think he's the backup center. I don't know if, if Palouwe is the backup center. I know last year Cole Schneider filled that out too. So Matt Lee and or, uh, or Palouwe could be the other one that if they, we lost that guy, you know, that may be a little more challenging. Obviously, there's five of them up front, so maybe you can cover up a little bit. But I think it, w- it would be somebody on the O-line, um, either Lee or Palouwe, Bowser, and then and JJB would be the ones I'd be the most concerned about. Yeah, I think that's fair. But uh, to me, this offense is going to revolve around Isaiah Bowser. He's going to be the workhorse all year. As long as he can stay healthy, I like our chances against anybody on the schedule. All right, well, that's it. The official Sons of UCF schedule prediction uh, went just as well as you had assumed it would, although Mike Scott is at an 11. I think he said 11-1. You were at 10-2, and two, and then we won another game really quickly in your head, so now we're 11-1. So Mike's on 11-1. I am on 10-2. and two. Hopefully we're both wrong and we're undefeated and we are going to a major bowl uh, and we're doing well. But before we get to our next uh, our next segment, Mike, let's do a quick little plug for our friends at Homefield Apparel. Don't forget, if you go to their website, homefieldapparel.com, promo code SUNS12, you get 15% off of their gear, Mike. That's shirts, that's hoodies, that's sweaters. They have vintage kind of old school style um, shirts and logos. Uh, it's it's by fans, for fans, Mike. A lot of really cool, unique gear. Mike just told you this. You got like, what, nine days before the season. You got to get your wardrobe right. Make sure you're doing all the fans wear whatever matchups. You know, if you had a shirt you wore last year that we lost a game, hopefully you threw that one out. You need a new one. Maybe check home field apparel out. Again, Suns 12 to get you 15% off, Mike. You can't beat that deal. No, it's a great deal, and you can always use more UCF shirts. I mean, who doesn't have – everybody can use at least one or two more of those, right? And especially new season, you, you like to have a, a nice fresh shirt for some of these big games. Homefieldapparel.com, Suns 12 gets you 15% off. Coming up next, though, we're going to take a quick break. Cow of the week, Mike? I say we probably get into that. Let's, uh, let's do cows. We're brought to you by Gordon and Partners. Okay, sons of UCF, both of you, you are the father. All right, Mike, cow of the week. Uh, and uh, somehow we have a, uh, a straggler. Somebody has broken into the, the show and has joined cow of the week. Uh, the first ever guest appearance on cow of the week. Uh, Trace Trelko is with us. Trace just popped into the, into the show here. He said he wants to stay for cow of the week. He begged. We were like, are you sure? He pleaded. Are, we, are you positive? But we relented, and Trace is with us for Cow of the Week. Trace, welcome to your first ever Cow of the Week. It's all part of the master plan, Adam and Mike, where I just kind of, you know, kick up my Five feet star on the recruits. table and just hang out. Now I encroach into another space. Yeah, it's just a big land grab. Watch the word, word choice there. Uh, five-star recruit Trace Trelko is with us. So here's what we do, Trace. If you're not familiar, it's called Cow of the Week. We pick somebody, something that maybe made us laugh, was a little foolish, a lighthearted attempt at maybe making fun of somebody. I usually let Mike go first here. I don't know, Mike, how do you want to – do you want to cede to our guest, let our guest go first? Do you want to maintain your power position as the leadoff batter here? I'll, I'll give you the option here. Ooh. Oh, I'll leave it up to Trace. What does he want to do? He's got that yeah, cool is, yeah, uh, this is a fantastic <laughs> chin strap going on there. Uh, I think he he deserves it. You know, let the guest go first. You want to go first? Okay. Or you want me to go first, Trace? It's up to you. Uh, I will go first because uh, I Trace it anticipate is. what you'll come up with in just a few short. He moments. still has time to change his answer <laughs> that he changed a minute before we started after he changed it a minute before that. But Trace, go I'm ahead. Go Cow of the week. Day. What do you got? I'm going after part of the UCF fan base. 
the Ooh. part that is so unsettled by John Rice Plumley being named QB1. The ones that knew everything, even after seeing JRP in the spring game. They're shocked. They're stunned. You know who you are. Are you really? Are you really stunned? And now are you going to be these same people that the first incompletion, the first overthrown ball, you're going to go on to the Twitter and the social media and rip QB1? Come on now. Jeez. Be behind QB1 100%. And let's roll through 2022 and win an AAC championship. So that portion of the fan base that knew it all, shocked and stunned, they're my cow of the week. I can't wait to hear the open of the show where Mike declares that he's all behind JRP until he throws an interception, in which case then he may not be so behind JRP. Yeah, it's not going to take one incomplete pass, but if he does have one bad game like that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause a stir among some people for sure. Are there hot seats for QB1s? There could be hot seats for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Any one of us maybe. Don't hear that? That's uh, warming up right now. I better, I better get good <laughs> um, it's, it's unfortunate, right? It's because we talked about this earlier, Trace, which was essentially that's our quarterback now. They're they're both knights. You know, let's let's figure out who it is. It's John Rice Pumley. Gus knows more than we do. He clearly has a vision for his offense. Clearly knows the skill sets between us. We've seen one spring game and five second clips of quarterbacks. Let's trust that Gus knows what he's doing, and that's our quarterback. And and it's not a shot or knock on Mikey Keene. It's simply that's the guy behind center. That's the most important position on the field for us. Why would you not want to be behind him? Yeah, maybe you like Mikey Keene. Maybe he's a nice guy. You, you respect what he did. But that doesn't mean that you still can't root for John Rice Plumley to be successful because guess what? If he's successful, all of us wearing black and gold were successful. So I, I don't understand that thinking where, I mean, I guess it's, society these days right now you, you plant your flag on one side and you never move off that island right and you just die on that hill but i think at this point we're all we're all pushing the common goal here which is we want ucf to be successful if john rice Plumley does that i'm all in on that i don't understand what what the hesitation would be and gus we trust asterisk but we don't what? trust you quite so much right now okay. i think there's people on twitter that are doing it as kind of just a shtick maybe they yeah. performance they, art yes i mean they're going to support UC, uh, UCF no matter what, but they, they kind of also wanted things to go their way. And then there's some people that just go over the top and they're going to make death threats if he doesn't throw an incomplete pass on that whoa, first. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, I didn't that's happened. That's happened. That happens <laughs> on a yearly <laughs> basis in college football. Not, well, not yeah, me. with other fan bases, not well, our I'm civilized the, Twitter mafia. No, we have idiots as well, too, in our fan base. We have idiots. Plenty of them. So uh, I think you're going to see a little bit of You're both. co-signing on my cow of the week. To a yeah, I, I said it earlier in the show, too. I, we This is it. Gus made the decision. He knows more than all of us, whether we like it or not. And he's doing what's best for what he thinks is best for the team. And it's his job on the line. If anybody's going to be put on the hot seat, it'd be him for making the wrong decision. <laughs> his job right? is on the line if he doesn't get <laughs> this right. Yeah, I, this is the biggest decision he's made since he's been here, right? Yes. To be fair, yeah, he said on a radio show in Alabama today, uh, BD had it in the Sentinel Trace, that this was the hardest decision he's ever had to make. Uh, and and I think that's the other thing that we talked about, which was this is about, it doesn't mean that John Rice Plumley is the better quarterback. It means he's the right quarterback for what Gus wants to do. Mikey might be better at many other facets of the game, but w- with what Gus envisions, John Rice appears to him to be the right guy right now. And so... Again, I don't, I don't understand. Not get behind that. I don't know who's on the hot seat here. Maybe it's me. I'm not really sure. 
All right, I'll tell you who's on my hot seat right now for my cow of the week. Adam mentioned it earlier today. The SMU Mustangs and their field. Did you take, see the picture of that thing? There's a bubble going from the 20-yard line to the 10-yard <laughs> line. What the heck? How would this work out if there was a game tomorrow? Would, what would they do? <laughs> uh, they'd have to cancel the game? Obviously, It'd be played no. yeah, elsewhere, yes. Where? Are they, they're going to move it to Cowboy Stadium? Uh, or their practice what? facility. What about the it's, fans? It's, what about the people that have tickets to this game? It's Texas. There, there are high school stadiums that have like 30,000 seats. Mike, I think they'll find something. I guess, but it just looks horrible. You're a Division One school. You're now going to be one of the flagship schools of the American, right? Once these other schools leave, once we're out of here with Cincinnati. It's not their fault. Well, yeah, it is. They're there for some It's an unusual weather situation. <laughs> get rid of this artificial turf that all kids get hurt on. No coach likes going to have to play on an artificial turf. Last year, all our injuries at Louisville and every other place we went to because they don't have natural grass. SMU has more money than pretty much any other team in the American. You're telling me they can't afford a nice maintenance, you know, some nice grass out there, somebody to go cut the grass. What are they saving a couple of bucks for what to have this? And it's just ridiculous. It looks horrible. And I hope to God, nothing happens during the season, but mark my words, somebody's going to get hurt on that field at some point this year. That, that, that place looks like a disaster. Yes, sir. Mark, I didn't have Mike as the landscaping guy. Wow. So it's odd Speaking twist. of lawn maintenance people, I don't know if you saw the video that I shot mm, I did. from the field. I got a, you know, the deep in the end zone and the guys on the tractor and standing there. And I thought this is 10 seconds of video, you know, get you closer to the season. Dude doesn't swerve, keeps coming at me. Mm-hmm. That's the same guy that turned the sprinklers on me, I'm pretty sure. The same guy that yelled at me to get off the field. Dude didn't swerve. I nearly died at the bounce. Wow. <laughs> Do we know his name? Are we, are we going after this guy? What do you mean? No, he's. I don't. We could use our ample platform to snuff him out, Trace. No, I don't want. I don't want to wage a war with the good folks. Demand an apology crew. for all the accosting he's done. Of I wasn't on the field. I was behind the, you know, the, the back line there. I thought I was in a good spot. Mm. I saw him with that hat on. At first, I thought it was Gus driving the tractor. I was like, what? <laughs> Gus is doing the grass now, too? But I guess not. They're much so better you think than Gus, Gus, you you think down. Gus yeah. wouldn't twerp for me, then, is what you're saying. <laughs> I saw the look he gave you when you asked that question, and he put his hands to his brow for the other quarterback question. I felt like he he, he was admitting defeat to you. He, he's admitting I love the members of our fan base who say, why do you keep asking about the quarterbacks? Isn't it the thing we've all wanted to know? Is this a second what? cow of the week? <laughs> okay, Trace has another. Okay, He's back on the fans no. again. No, I'm back just, on the fans. Here we go. If if nobody, can you imagine a press conference where Gus says questions, and, and we just start off with what's going on at kicker? You know, nobody asks mm-hmm. a quarterback question. You know how many people would light us up? Why didn't you ask about the quarterback? We know he's not going to answer the question. You got to ask it. I I find it funny the people who always say these press conferences are boring. You get nothing out of them. They don't say anything. Like what? What do you want them to do? Like what do you like? Do you Trace? Do you want them to? I mean, do you, do you want to start doing performance art? Like I don't, I don't know what the folks same people out of who say you get nothing out of them, but who gleaned every sentence and determined that Mikey Keene was the you know runaway winner in this race because of everything they heard. Those same people. Mike, I'm gonna say this right now. I think Trace has been waiting to get on Cow of the Week for years. This is built up <laughs> Cow of the Week. He's been storing for a long time. This is his moment to to just let it all out. Usually we talk to Trace between 8 and 9. Now we're getting unfiltered 11 p.m. Trace. He's angry. He's taking on the fan base. I kind of like it. 
You got any other cows, Trey? I mean, we got some. Now I'm curious what you're going to say, and I'm going to see how I can weave it back into a particular fan that has annoyed me in the last week. Okay. You might. You might. My my cow of the week uh, is, uh, I don't know who to give this to. I don't know if it's UCF or if it's FBC Mortgage. But they put a sign on the back of the scoreboard trace that's probably the size of a Band-Aid. And the, the scoreboard is a giant apparatus. You can see all the wiring and all the harnessing there. And the sign is probably the size of a Band-Aid. We couldn't do one of two things here. A, bigger sign. Or B, could we not cover that up, make it a little bit more, you know, more pronounced and the sign is on that. Like it's, it's on the back of like some sort of a wiring harness trace. What, what are we doing with that sign? In fairness. Okay. I exchanged messages with Eric DeSalvo. Mark oh, name drop. Genius. Mm-hmm. Who pointed out and sent me a photo. It looked exactly the same before, but mm-hmm. fans lost their minds when they saw mm-hmm. what it looked like now. It hasn't changed. Same dimensions. I'd have to go back to the cow of the week and see where I was on the old one. Unfortunately, that that was the spectrum sign. Whatever was up there before. Yeah, Cosec Advisor actually posted pictures of the last two. It was spectrum, and then it was when it was uh, whatever else in between. Bright house. Um, Yeah, and they were always small, but just because it always looked like crap doesn't mean it's a good (laughs) a good excuse for it to continue to look like crap. They're getting paid two million dollars. How much could it actually cost to to get a little bit? Maybe more, Mike. And maybe they didn't want to pony up, and that's what they get. <laughs> well, then they get criticism, and they have to deal with it. <laughs> I like Mike's the key word of the night. Just because it looks like crap now, <laughs> always doesn't mean it doesn't look like crap now. I like, I like that that thought. So you disagree with my Calvary Trace? You think it looks okay? No, I just think it's funny that we had SignGate, and then mm-hmm. we had SongGate as the mm-hmm. fan base. There I am. There I'm coming at the fan base again, where they ripped into. Terry Modger for his <laughs> song choices. He's relented early in the week and has opened it up to the fans now. What do you want? Yeah, I mean, you, so. just, you just sent us the picture, Trace. I'll try to put it. I mean, it's I don't know what's going on with that. Well, yeah, what is your... So Mike actually opined on Twitter. I was going to ask him this, but he got to Twitter before I could ask him, Trace. Terry Mohodger gave us the aux cord circa 20, 2002, I guess, to uh, to plug in your iPhone or whatever <laughs> to the uh, FBC mortgage uh, vast sound system to play a song. Uh, where where are you going, Mike? What was yours, real quick? Yours was uh, I love Guns N' Roses' "Night Train." I, I mean, okay. it's got the word "night" in it. I think it. If you listen to the lyrics, it sums me up during the game. I'm loaded like a freight train, higher than an aeroplane, feeling like a space brain. I mean, that's me. That, that and that's probably a lot of the fans there at the stadium. It's a it's a fast song. It's it's upbeat. It's it's kicks ass if you ask me. It's perfect. What was that song that they created that they uh, did the video inside the stadium? You remember that song? The... Oh, you mean uh, the uh, the rock the rock song? Yeah, uh, the hassle in my castle one. Yeah, I-, I love that. Play a little of that. Okay, time for that. This all. I don't have a problem everyone. with Terry Mahajer's song choice. It just yeah. takes forever to get there. Just start it a little sooner. Maybe not in the fourth quarter. Throw that in there in the first quarter. Yeah, I don't think. See, here's what I I think. I actually like a sing along song, right? Like, you know, Zombie Nation is fine. We're all jumping up and down. Like some of the other stuff is fine. But like when they play the, the Nights by Avicii, that's that's fine. I like a nice sing along song, right? Where everyone kind of sway together and we're singing and we're all happy. I recognize that Frankie Valley's circa circa you know 1950, maybe something a little bit more recent, um, like an Elton John Rocket Man space theme. Anybody? Mm. Uh, I don't know. Uh, and the Gators actually got that's the one thing now 
Tom Petty that, that won't bear, won't back down is actually kind of cool yeah. when you see them singing along to it. Um, it depends on the the game too. I mean, if it's a tight game or we're losing, we're down by two touchdowns going into the fourth quarter. Who the hell's singing? Uh, I'm not. <laughs> I'm pissed. So he's not singing. He's not swaying. No. <laughs> so you're, you just ha- you just had the guns. In, so you're not going to sing the Guns and Roses song that you picked if you're well, there I'm, and we're losing. I'm not going to sing it, but I, I enjoy the song. I think you know it puts me in a good okay. mood. Okay. Would it put you in a good mood down two touchdowns in the? No, nothing actually does that. <laughs> It doesn't matter what you sing. About, don't about nothing. Uh, all right, so we got we got our song choices. We got cows of the week choice. This is this is how this works in this segment. This is usually now where we just talk talking about random stuff, and uh, we never know when we're going to hit end. Uh, Mike, I know you want to talk a little bit about you. Uh, you were heavy on the tailgate scene uh, this week. You've made a few announcements on the social media feeds for those people who have stuck it out for the uh, the duration of this show. Do you want to offer up any more information about the uh, Sons of UCF tailgate? Yeah, we have a lot of opportunities to meet you guys here the first few weeks of the year. Remember, don't forget week one. I'll be down at downtown Fort Lauderdale. Watch party at the Den, UCF, SC State. Um, we're going to try to do a little live thing from there, too. Uh, so that, that'll that'll be fun. And then the big two weeks, Louisville game at home. We're having the same setup we did last year for the Boise State game right in front of the stadium, right next to Iowa Plaza right next to the stage where they have the the concert series tailgate party. We'll be there. Beer, food, potato salad, of course, you know, a good time. We'll have some free t-shirts. I'm sure everybody stop by, you know, if you stop by for five minutes, that's fine. If you want to come and hang out with us for four hours, that's cool too. You know, we'll have a good time. Like we did last year. It'll probably be even bigger this year. We've already talked to a couple of former players that are interested in coming. Some guys, friends of the show that you've seen on this, on the show before. I'm sure you'll see some familiar faces. And then the following week down in Boca, we're doing it all over again. Uh, Hoffman, Gordon and partners are sponsoring a big tailgate party over in the RV lot. I believe, right. It's confirmed the RV lot. Now Uh, we're going to have a good time out there too. Same deal. Food, beer. He's got TV. He's got a really good setup. We're going to have jello shots. Jello shots. I heard are going to be there. So that's three weeks in a row. where You get to party with us. And I don't know what else you guys are asking for other than that. So you're definitely going to be at the Boca Bash, no matter what happens to UCF in that Louisville game. Yeah, I'll be at the game. I'll be at the game for sure. Yeah, but you're going to be prepared and ready to party in a pregame, yes. no matter what happens. Yes, I will be there probably around 3 or 4 <laughs> o'clock that day. The game's at, what, 7.30, I believe? Seems like not a lot of time. Yeah, I told you I got out of that <laughs> Columbia trip, right? I got out of the Columbia trip, but then my wife still bamboozled me into taking her somewhere for a couple of days. So I'm taking her down to South Beach for a couple of nights. We're going Thursday. We're coming back Saturday morning. Saturday after I get I actually booked my Brightline today. Brightline train will have me back here by 1230. Gives me time to go home, take showers, get everything going. I think we're out of the house by two. I'm saying three or four, but I think two thirty maybe. We we'll get there by three. You know, people, if it's going to be a destination for fans, they, they want to know when you're going to be there. You know, mm-hmm. you're yeah. the main I'll attraction. I mean, three o'clock, that's four and a half hours. How much more time do you need with me? I'm already giving you the week before against Louisville, <laughs> and I'm giving you the week before that against SE State. You're going to be sick of me by the time we get to Boca. What time are you showing up for the Louisville game? Um, I got to confirm what time that starts. I, I forget, was it four or five hours before? <laughs> that's not up to me. That's up to the... the uh, I the think it was... I feel like last year we started at two and the game was at seven. I think it was a five hour window. 
right. I think which turned was... into a 12 hour window. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Very much so. <laughs> which was Buck great. That tent yeah. saved our lives. Are you kidding me? Oof. Yeah. Yeah. We weren't stuck inside the stadium like everybody else. We were undercover with our own drinks. I had a great time. I actually kind of wish the delay went on for another hour, even though we, we did run out of beer. That- enlightening <laughs> but we were fine everything <laughs> turned out fine it, that, that was that was no worries so i'll be there for that one whenever that they allow us to get in that's probably also like, like a 2 30 start i think and that's a good f- four or five hours to party with me then so you got like 12 hours of, of ucf mic time coming up in september mm-hmm. after that i don't know I'll, I'll be at a few other watch parties downtown fort lauderdale too we're gonna try to make the cincinnati game we try to make the game in tampa can't make too many other promises well we can't promise is a tailgate though it'll, it'll be a good time it was fun last year we met a lot of people uh if anyone wants to come out and hang out for a little bit happy to to meet uh any and all of you I, I tagged a few people on twitter that we've interacted with forever i feel like we've never met before uh so i certainly want some people to stop by i don't think we've ever met jackson lyon um he's been listening since day one i'd love to have jackson stop by and say hello so uh if you're uh, coming to that game and i think everyone should be i think trace mike posits that that'll be the most raucous environment since stanford at the bounce house hmm. that seems fair yeah 2020 COVID obviously t- takes away some games last year yeah not so much so mike's expecting the most raucous crowd since the old stanford game and it's a night game i think everything lines up for that one it's gonna be a that's gonna be a fun one and if you get to hang out with us for four hours beforehand you'll be ready to go I don't know. I don't know why you wouldn't. Speaking of ready to go, I think everyone's ready to go after listening to us for the duration of this uh, this evening. We appreciate everyone for tuning in as always. Uh, we've got Trace here. This is usually where I say uh, we'll see you on Thursday for the live show with me, Mike, and Trace, 8 p.m. Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you follow all the social media stuff that you want to follow. Make sure that you are uh, subscribing to the pod feed, website, twonightsmedia.com. Uh, all the all the different angles that you want covered, we've got covered here at the Suns UCF, and we will continue to do so. Football season just around the corner. I know we're all excited. Trace, anything that you can reveal for the live show this Thursday? Anything you want to tease? Still working on it. That's the tease you're going to get, everybody. <laughs> we're going to work on it for the rest of the week. You all have a fantastic week. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you Thursday. Everybody, go Knights. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.